0: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Darko Audio Podcast. And once again, joining me is Michael Lavonia, who is sitting in New Jersey. And we were just talking about Goodfellas, weren't we? Yes, we were, as a matter of fact. Uh, (laughs) Good to be here again. You've had quite a few bits of new gear come into your barn to review. Is that right?
1: Uh, That's right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's been busy. Yeah. The barn door has been open wide. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, what, yeah, what arrived today? Yeah. So, uh, the, uh, just this earlier today, uh, the Sonus Faber, Saunas Faber, is it Faber? Faber. It- Faber. Faber. Yeah. The Olympic mm. Nova 3 arrived in a woolen huh. finish. I haven't even had a chance to unbox them yet. Mm. Uh, they're sitting uh, strapped to a pallet. And directly next to those are a pair of Eggleston Works Oso, another uh, floor stander in this amazing, uh, I call it Born Red, but that's not the official name. (laughs) But they look, they're very nice looking. Uh, The finish is really pretty exquisite. Because you must be probably one of the only
0: reviewers on the planet with a space big enough to really do justice to really big floor standing speakers, right?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I, I, guess I would say one person I'm, I'm friends with and I know well, Alex Halberstadt, uh, he has a large loft, actually the overall open volume is even, it's bigger than the barn, Right. Um, but other than Alex, um, from everything I've seen, uh, picture-wise and for the people mm. I know, yeah, I mean, the barn is it's nice. It's a very nice size. One really good thing about it. um, it does have this oversized larger than a double width uh, garage door. And so this morning, when the trucking company pulled up, he dropped that lift gate uh, nearly on the concrete slab. So uh, the speakers come out, and it's basically they're in the barn within uh, uh, two minutes, and mm. he's at it. You know, no steps, obviously, no nothing. So yeah, it's really very, very nicely suited um, for big speakers, and is yeah. I mean, I've yet to to get in something huge, but it, certainly the space can handle it. Yeah,
0: that's super useful.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, it's pretty. You know what? And it's 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 relatively new for me to be focusing so much on uh, sp- well, on passive speakers, big passive speakers. Um, And it's just, it's, it's, I'm really enjoying it so far, so far, so good.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. I guess it is hard to know about the nature of many other reviewers listening rooms because, and this is a controversial thing to say, I think in that not all reviewers post photos of their listening room. And I don't know, I, I find it hard to relate, harder to relate to those. And I do, you know, people like you or Srijana Six Moons or,
2: mm. uh,
0: you know, whoever posting photographs of the listening space, because as we will come to, the listening space is, I guess it's 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 a it's a component, in a in the loosest sense of the
1: word, in mm. a loudspeaker hi fi system, right? Well, yeah, it has a huge amount of influence on this on how things sound. So yeah, I I was careful in in saying that. Uh, in responding to your question about, you know, is the barn, uh, bigger than most reviewers rooms? Because as you say, yeah, I've not seen every reviewer's rooms. because Some people don't show it, you know, mm. and it's for whatever reason. Um, but I, um, I find it fascinating to see people's rooms. Even, um, I enjoy when, uh, readers, you know, will email me and show me pictures of the rooms. It's, I, I mean, it's just, uh, Another kind of piece of the puzzle for me that I enjoy seeing. Uh, It tells me a lot. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. It it does. I think it tells you a lot about the nature of the person as well. Like, are they tidy? Are they messy? Yeah. Um, You know, is that you know what their room is like? And I always think that if I ruled the world, if you know, I ruled the internet, (laughs) I would insist that before you go shooting your mouth off on a forum about this thing blowing that out of the water or whatever, you should be forced to put a photograph of your listening room up so people can see where you're coming from. Because I think a lot of people tend to shoot their mouth off and yet they've got a room which many people would consider to be fundamentally compromised because I don't think very many people have the perfect listening space. I think very few people have treated rooms. I think they're very much in the minority, even in the the sort of audiophile niche in which we operate.
1: Yeah, I get Yeah. And it, it is unusual. So my setup is unusual in that this uh this whole building is separate from our house. So right. um, I don't have to worry about um how things look in terms of living in mm. this space. You know, but it, it certainly uh you won't find any room treatments in our house. <laughs> right. Right. But <laughs> but, it, but you know, the system in the house is uh does uh at least double duty in that we uh, use it to, uh, for movies, you know, to make movies mm. more exciting, uh, Sure, but it's not, it's, you know, it's not, you won't find us sitting and just listening to music in a static position, uh, typically in the house. I mean, right. music is playing, but we're doing things. So yeah, it's a whole, it serves a different purpose. Uh, so yeah, cause my listening room is my
0: lounge room. This is where I live. This is where I have friends over. This is where I, I watch movies on a projector. Hmm. So I, I actually find it very difficult. No, that's not true. I find it quite easy, but I have to work very hard to make sure that it always looks tidy because I can't stand a mess. I, I just hate it. It just... oh yeah. Well, as soon as the room gets you know, too messy or there's too much hi-fi gear in here, I have to do something about it. <laughs> so, you know, because I'm living in... like This is my... Tech- even legally, this is my... Well, this is my German office. Um because this is this is the space in which I work so Hmm. my it's almost like um it's almost like an inception so my lounge room is my office which has to look like a lounge room (laughs) if you see if you see what I mean if you follow me there
1: (laughs) I do right (laughs) yeah and I will say that even though again the barn is separate from the house I also I can't stand a mess um and it's funny you know, one of the things I, I didn't really consider as I got into this uh, big speaker reviewing is uh, big speakers come in big boxes. So yeah. even though I've got all this real estate in here, um, I actually, there's a, a room, uh, there are a number of smaller rooms on the one side of the barn, and mm-hmm. I had been using one of them to store all boxes. But that's been, uh, it's spilled over out into the main space. Yeah, I guess, I don't know
0: whether this is the case in the USA. it's kind of was in Australia, but not always. But like, every apartment, well no, I won't say every apartment, M- many apartments here come with a cellar s- space in the basement. Um, mm. And mine is, I think it's fairly generous in size. It's, oh God, what is it, two meters by five meters? So it's not tiny. Mm. Yeah, I, And it's full. It's full of empty boxes. Because I refused. Well, there are a couple of components down there that are in their boxes, but they're kept up pretty high, and I just dread the day that the sprinkler system goes off, because <laughs> then I'm yeah. going to have a couple of awkward phone calls to make.
1: <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Of course, that is. Yeah. In addition to review stuff, I mean, even the gear that I um own, and it, you know, all the. I, obviously, I keep all those boxes as well. So, yeah, it's there are a lot of boxes in the barn. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so what el- what else have you got coming up? Do you know? Yeah, um, well, what's also here, uh, I, I just got in a pair of Totem Tribe Towers. Mm-hmm. Those are tiny um, little floor standers. Um, I have the Belcanto E1X integrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have the Audio Note Cobra integrated amp that also has a DAC built in. Mm. And um, the HiFi Rose RS150B network streamer just arrived. Ah oh, that's the one with the massive well the the, the full width um touch touchscreen on the front yeah yeah it is, yeah the feature list is like longer than most reviews i write so it's <laughs> yeah. A, yeah it's a very interesting uh component from a, a company that's new to me mm. um, but it's i've all, i've unboxed it you know plugged it in just to make sure everything's fine and uh yeah it's built like a tank looks right. good but we will see i can't wait to dig in Yeah, with products like that, where they're very
0: software dominant, shall we say, Mm. I always worry about, you know, being tripped up by the software side, because as we know, hi-fi companies are very good at making hi-fi hardware, but when it comes to the software side, you know, for me, there's always a gotcha, or almost always a gotcha. I mean, there's not with Rune, and there are probably a couple of other systems like Lightning DS with Aurelic and things like that, where it runs flawlessly, but there are a lot of little kind of niggles with software apps that come inside or come as part of um an amplifier or something like that
1: yeah yeah and yeah with this uh Hi-Fi rose streamer, the other concern I have going in is it's it is so feature rich um mm. and, you know you, uh, you have you know i I don't want to miss anything. Right in the review, right. I mean, yes. it does so many things. Um, it's what it's a case where I'm going to have to literally uh, step through the manual mm. as a, you know as part of the whole process because it's you know it's co- it's a complex uh, little machine.
0: Yeah, I mean, I had the same thing last year when I did a video about the NAD M33 amplifier because it's not just an amp; mm. it has a DAC inside, it's got a phono stage inside. More than that, and more than the Eigentact modules that are on the output stage, which was also a key feature, but more than that, it had Dirac room correction built in. And when I covered that, that emerged as the key feature of that particular amplifier, less so the Eigentact modules or the the DAC circuit or things like that, but there were so many things to cover. And it's sometimes it's hard to know where to Mm. put the emphasis, right? But I put the emphasis on what I thought made the biggest difference to what we hear through the loudspeakers, and that was the Dirac room correction. Yeah. Uh, You know, so, yeah, you have, I mean, you're right. Amplifiers, I guess, are becoming more and more complicated in that respect
1: when they add streaming. Absolutely. And uh, another example, I not all that long ago, I reviewed the Weiss uh, DAC-501, Mm-hmm. Uh, the half size, that's a half size chassis. Um, it's just such a great, it's a streaming deck, but it also includes uh, room correction, so yeah, ah, I mean, okay. it's, yeah, you can, it really is, um, quite impressive, uh, and, and yeah, I agree that room correction is a huge feature. I mean, it's a, in terms of, uh, impact on sound quality. It's a huge feature. See, I would
0: rate it as more impactful. Than the amplifier itself. You could you could take a very average amplifier and if it had room correction built in it could really become something very powerful indeed mm-hmm. because let's say I you've got which, so, yeah. you know you got some kind of like i don't know 50 hertz room mode. Yes. Well you can cor- <laughs> you can correct that, right? And ev- <laughs> yeah. everybody has room modes because that's the mathematics of rooms. I mean so for example I've got the the Lindorf TDAI 1120 integrated here. And it's a fairly modest-looking thing. It's three-quarter width. It's mm-hmm. it looks fairly plain. I love the sort of the the Danish utilitarianism mm. of the front panel, and it's got streaming built in, and it, and it covers Google Chromecast, Rune, Spotify mm. Connect, Tidal Connect. Yep. So they've they've got all that ticked off. There's a there's a DAC inside. There's a phono stage inside. But I think it's probably its biggest selling point is Lingdorf's room perfect room mm. correction, which is different to Dirac, and so. I'm have to make sure that n- not only do I cover what the amp sounds like just sort of on its own and then maybe the phono stage and and then obviously the DAC is part of it anyway. So you can't really separate the two, but then for me, the big thing will be the room perfect because it also does subwoofer integration as well. And hmm, so this year wow. I've been doing a lot of that. So yeah, there's just so much to chew on <laughs> with an amplifier like that. I mean, these sort of, I mean, I call them sort of future five pieces, but they're essentially mm-hmm. the streaming amplifiers. And yeah, sometimes it's, they they surprise you, don't they? Because you kind of go, oh, I didn't expect that to be the most impactful feature of this amplifier because, you know, everyone was talking about this particular feature before I took receipt of the review unit. And then you kind of go on your own little sort of journey with it as you review it, right? As you will do with the
1: hi-fi rows. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the deck, um, the Vice deck uh, was surprising in that regard. Mm. Um, I had, I'm not sure, I, I just, I guess I tried not to read other reviews before I complete mine. Mm. Um, but I don't, I was, I don't recall reading so much about that feature in the deck. Um So, I mean, I was not completely surprised that it was there, because I'd done some research on it, but Nonetheless, its impact, yeah, it was uh, a very pleasant surprise. I mean, I went so far as to suggest that, you know, that feature in a DAC, um, makes it more, gives it more universal appeal, if Mm -hmm. you will, uh, because obviously, you know, it will impact, that feature will impact everyone's system, Mm -hmm. you you know, in a very similar way, Uh, not suggesting that everybody's room is the same. But, you know, when you make these corrections to, to room anomalies, uh, the improvement is is pretty clear. But also, it's, it's because, I mean, I know we're going to talk about this in a bit, but
0: for me, a DAC is, you know, maybe four or five spot, spots down my priority list of what I would mm. consider when putting together a hi-fi system. But if it's got room correction yeah. in it, it moves it way up to, like, Spot maybe number two or three rather than say five or six, so there is that impact there as well. I think. I mean, yeah, I, I find these things fascinating that that he no longer do we just have integrated amps and DAX, but they now come with DSP features that yeah. take them to a whole
1: different level. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and they deal with such a you know with again a a problem common to all room correction. So yeah,
0: I think. The room correction also gives the end user something to tinker with because a lot of audiophiles love to tinker and they love to play with things and they like a bit of flexibility. And I guess if you do have a product like, let's say the NAD M33, Mm. if you buy that, then there's not a lot of point really adding an external DAC. There's no no point adding an external Mm -hmm. streamer really unless it adds something that that the uh, internal streamer doesn't have. You might want to add a, an external phono stage but really if you're buying one of these sort of all-in-one units you want it to be an all-in-one unit and just that one unit right
1: oh it's, that's certainly the way i feel yeah
0: right the singularity is a selling point so the thing is for audiophiles, or rather i guess old school audiophiles, is it gives them nothing to play with if it's fixed but if you have room correction built in you know Dudes can spend their entire Saturday afternoon just m- messing around with microphone readings and hmm. different target curves and things like that. And it gives them that flexibility, something to play with, and then talk about with their friends online, you know, and
1: talk about how this curve blows this curve out of the water. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, the other, or another aspect of, of having that functionality in, in your hi-fi, wherever it might reside, is that... um It can help alleviate speaker placement, which Mm -hmm. when your speakers, if you've got uh, speakers that need to live out into the room somewhat, uh, you know, that can present a problem if it's also your living space. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 You're not having speakers four feet out from, and is it the rear wall or the front wall? What do you call the wall behind the speakers? I call that the front wall. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Because the rear
0: wall is the one behind me. Okay, as, as I'm sitting, looking at my speakers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes so, sense. But I understand why people might call it the rear wall behind the speakers, but it's, but they're wrong.
1: All right, we'll stick,
0: we'll <laughs> stick with the calling wrong. that the front
1: wall. Yeah, the, we'll call the rear wall the front wall from now on. No, <laughs> the <laughs> wall we'll call your the rear wall the front wall. <laughs> so that front wall behind the speakers, yeah. Um, you know, some some speakers wanna w- want to be a, a few feet out from there. Um, but exact placement can be critical because you, you could s- set off some room issues depending on where they sit. So, room, you know, having uh, DRAC or some other form of DSP, you know, can help massage uh, those lumps and bumps away. It
0: can. It really, yeah, it really can. It can make, I guess, yeah, it, it's a bit like the icing on the cake, isn't it? I mean, yes, room treatments will have a more fundamental effect, but. Or well, I would say, even amongst the audio audiophile world, I would say ninety-five percent of people can't really put room tra- treatments in their listening or slash living room because it's a living room, right? It's a living space. Yes. So the next best thing is room correction built into an amplifier or a DAC or all the speakers themselves or whatever. Yeah. And yep. I think that's really come along leaps and you know leaps and bounds in the mm-hmm. last 5 years since as dsp has improved so from what i understand like you know what's available now was impossible 10 years ago
1: uh, but so in the barn i don't have these issues because i could put the speakers wherever they sound best
0: mm. yeah because you've got a lot more space to play with right but yes. do you do you have the the opposite problem of having too much space and therefore you have reverb that you need to sort of mitigate in terms of like where you sit closer to the speaker so you don't hear reflected sound so much
1: well no I, well how could i put this I, I sit probably depending on the speaker i guess on average between seven and eight feet away mm-hmm. um and the overall uh length from from uh front wall to rear wall is 35 feet but I'm not going to be sitting 30 feet away just because I have the space. <laughs> that would be madness. Yeah, <laughs> yes, it would. So the room is set up such that, you know, it's it's. I mean, it, even though it's a big space, I'm sitting, I think, a fairly uh, common distance from from the speakers. But they they're also about uh, five feet from the, and again, that varies uh, based on the speaker. But mm. they can be as far as five feet out from that front wall.
0: Wow. That sounds amazing because I, c- I can only pull my speakers probably around a meter off the front wall before before it starts to look weird and like people would say, "Why? Why are your speakers in the middle of the room?" Well, they're not, they're not <laughs> in like- the middle of the room; and they're a bit further forward, but it would look weird. Mm. Yeah. And for me, also, the the look of you know when people have speakers towed in too much, well, yes. what I consider <laughs> towing too much, and it just. <laughs> honestly it drives me crazy i can't i can't even look at them (laughs) even though that may sound the best you know for those particular speakers you know this idea of crossing them over so much that the right speaker arrives at your left shoulder and the left speaker i can't do it even i I just i I, I could not live (laughs) aesthetically with a speaker that wanted me to do that (laughs) i couldn't do it but these are yeah these are (laughs) considerations (laughs) We should really get on to talk about the the main topic today, mm. which I guess, well, let's start with an email that a, a reader sent me two days ago. Um, And he said, this was the opening line, pretty good opening line, actually. Why don't you just say you are anti-high-res and DSD and be done with it? <laughs> and so, I mean, you can imagine how, I kind of felt about that because, mm. first of all, he clearly hasn't read what I've written about DSD, or even he was referring to a letters to the editor post, okay, uh, that I published that day. And even in that, I'd made it very clear that I'm not anti high res. I'm, I guess, I'm if I'm pushing back against anything, it's how disproportionately loud the conversation is about high res, given how little there is of it and how little improvement it brings. To a hi fi system, especially if your hi fi system is not what, what we might call high end or uber high end. I mean, like tens of thousands of dollars or euros. Mm. And I know you and I have discussed this and I've made, I've made a video about this. And yeah, it was, yeah, it, it made some points <laughs> about <laughs> my thoughts about high risk, but it's not like I'm, a, I'm against it. I'm okay with it, but I just think we should really be focusing. On more important things, or we should be putting our energy into more important things. But I realized that, you know, room acoustics don't come with a numerical scale. Yeah. Nor does mastering quality and audiophiles love to talk about things of the numerical scale because then they can go, well, mine's a nine and yours is only a seven, you loser. And <laughs> they do they do those kinds <laughs> of things online, right? Like, or well, this thing is 24192, blows a 1644 one out of the water. There's, a, there's so much, you know, yeah. so many things getting blown out of so many <laughs> patches of water in the audiophile world, especially online. It just drives you potty. But anyway, so but mastering quality, recording quality matter more than high-res. Hmm obviously room acoustics do and you and i were talking about this on the phone and i said look we we should talk about all of the things that matter more (laughs) than the move from cd (laughs) quality to high-res audio which is i mean i don't know whether you agree with this but for me it's pretty much everything else (laughs) but (laughs) i realized that audiophiles love to talk about high res because well it's kind of easy and dealing with your room is hard. It is super hard. And I'm sympathetic to that. You know, it is mm. difficult, but I guess, and I, th- I think when we were talking about it, well, I, I stole your idea. I wrote this <laughs> up. In- I did. You not said, the first time. No, can't, yeah, can't not, not for the first time. Because <laughs> you said on the phone to me, hey, I just cannot make a single argument to anybody that I know that they should get into high-res audio right now. Mm-hmm. And I took that idea and I thought about my neighbor's and wrote this sort of faux letter to my neighbor about, you know, basically saying if anybody comes to talk to you about high show them the door because there are more things that you need to, well, the more important things you need to consider first. So, you know, because assuming my neighbor has a soundbar and a Bluetooth speaker, which is what I put in the letter. So thank you for that great idea, Michael. But Yeah, no problem. Now do
1: you have door-to-door high-res people like Jehovah Witness coming <laughs> and say, you know, hello, um ha, you know, I'm here to have you about, seen the wondering... light. we would like to talk to you about we'd no, like to talk to you about 24-bit <laughs>
0: But but the audio files behave that way. You know, a lot of them kind yeah. of when Apple I think the, the the genesis of my video about this recently was Apple's announcement came came along. Mm. And then all of a sudden you're seeing audio files talking about, yeah, this is about time, it's gonna be reach the mainstream and everybody's gonna be listening to high-res. No, they're not. They're not. <laughs> you, you, get, you haven't thought about what it takes to really benefit from high-res, right? First of all, you need a hi-fi system or a decent headphone system because mm. a Bluetooth speaker or a soundbar, I don't know. I just don't, I just don't see those things resolving, especially Bluetooth speakers. Well, it's impossible to resolve the difference between a red book CD stream and a high res
1: stream. But yeah, I guess (laughs) yeah, I I, I'm trying to figure a way to say it without being super offensive. Um, But it seems to me that there is a contingent of audiophiles who they take um, something like high res, or well, let's stick with high res, and they. Mm they turn it into some kind of weird abstraction that then gets imbued with all of these traits that don't belong to it. Almost as if it's got, you know, like it becomes uh, unethical and moral and <laughs> almost like a, a living creature. And how dare you uh, say anything bad about high res, it's our savior. It's, you know, It takes on uh, so much more weight and importance than it actually has so, so for example a friend of mine uh who i someone i, I grew up with we were just away for a weekend and mm. um he said what well, we're sitting on the beach and he's like oh man you know i just wanted to ask i have an amplifier that drives these outdoor speakers and it's it just uh stopped working mm. uh, so what would you recommend and you know i didn't say well, uh, first of all, it's got to do high res, right? Yeah. Because it does like it, it doesn't I, have to right? But for, yeah. And for, for me and my every day and in my review, I mean, my normal routine of life, high res is not a thing. It's not a thing just mm. like, um, Antifa is not a thing, sorry, but these aren't things. You know, if you want to get into a conversation about recording quality and what's the best, you know, container to deliver music in, that's a conversation maybe of interest, although I'm kind of fried on it after Mm. all this time. And MQA drove the stake into any rational conversation one can have about these matters, but Mm. it's just not a thing. It's just not a thing. You know, it's just like, okay, so it's nice to have, oh, look, you know, that new record I want to listen to, look, in Cobas, they've got a 24-bit 48 version. Yeah, great. Mm. But it's like, if 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 I do that same search and I find that new record and it's 1644, I don't go, oh, crap. Right. Oh, it's only 1644 <clears> because it doesn't mean anything. It do, there's no meaning one can attach in in abstract terms to those like to that difference. Oh, look, there's a new record. One's in sixteen forty four. One's twenty four forty eight. Does that tell you anything? It tells you absolutely nothing. Period. Right. Nothing. Because one could be one could be an amazing recording and one could be pretty poor. Right. Right. And, and not we, to mention the music and yeah, mm. it just doesn't come into play for right. me. So yeah, I agree. It's that uh, like it's like shine high res and. I am anti, um, uh, making a hero out of high res. That's I'm not anti high res, but I'm anti making high res out to be the savior of of music because it just will never be. It isn't. It hasn't been, and it's not going to be. That's not you know. And now Apple, of course, is saying that you know Atmos and uh, spatial audio is going to be the savior of music, and I also am like, yeah, really. I don't think so, but we've mm. been down this road before in different ways and But again, it's music doesn't need a lot of help.
0: Well, I mean, I think I stole another idea from you, I've just realized. <laughs> so I'm gonna lo- keep count here. <laughs> <You I> have- <laughs> well, this is getting you back for all those all that show report coverage that you um that you sort of, how what do I, how do I politely say, <laughs> that you carefully browsed, you know, you saw my video and was like, oh, that's really interesting. And then I can write that up on my website.
1: <laughs> I call that research, Sean. That's, that's research. research. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Anyway. So in a video I made last week about dongle Dax, I did quote you as saying, you know, like huh. fussing, fussing over high res audio is like going to a Michelin starred restaurant and fussing over the silverware, over the cutlery, over the dessert spoon. Yeah. You know, it's, and I thought, I think that's a great analogy. Or is it a metaphor? I can. I never know. Somebody, somebody will correct me. I think it's an analogy. But anyway, um, yeah, I think that's it is a bit an like that. But you and but we've sort of beaten this drum many times before. And I, I, well, we decided in this podcast we would talk about all the things that matter more. But we would start from a point of view like, if you don't have a hi-fi system, mm. where mm. do you start with? You know, what can what things do you have to consider before? <laughs> before you even think about high-raise audio. Mm-hmm. And there's a long list of things to consider before high-raise audio. And I think if you don't have a hi-fi system, the first thing that you should think about
1: are loudspeakers, right? I agree. Yeah. I've yeah, that's been my position for a long time, yeah.
0: Right. So, and I think that's that's a standard sort of salesperson's position if you go into a hi-fi store. I think most reviewers would agree with that. Like, I think most audiophiles would agree the speakers, they definitely have the most impact upon sound. I know that's a bit controversial for the people that like to get all antsy about source first. <laughs> but I would point out that in order to resolve a high quality source, you need to have a high quality hi fi system in place first. So you need to have the plumbing in place before you can pipe water down it. Yes. So, in, you know, our first piece of I won't call it plumbing because you use that word to describe something else, and I don't want to botch that for you, although I could do, it could be fun. Um,
1: If you're going to steal from (laughs) me, do it correctly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Right. So loudspeakers first. Now, how does somebody know
1: where to start when they're looking for speakers? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I would would assume that a a few factors would go... would help inform that decision-making process, right? Mm -hmm. One of them is budget. Mm
0: -hmm. One
1: of them is the room that the speakers are going to live in. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, that's, you know, actually that pretty much. That's pretty much it, it, isn't it? I mean, yeah, that pretty much is it. Yeah. um, It is. Uh, And uh, I, well, I know it's, you know, maybe it's unrealistic to, to, uh, try and impose having an overall system budget when some, when you start out, I would like, to, I think it's a good idea to have a rough gauge of overall system budget uh, mm. because, you know, I mean, that will certainly inform the whole, in, the, the entire process in a, in a positive way. Sure. You, you know, so. Yeah. But I think we cannot underestimate the
0: influence of the room. And I really wish that I'd been hammered about this when I was starting out, because yeah. I, I just ignored people who talked about the room what, what do they know? You know, because this is a typical attitude that you have when you're starting out with something is like, what do these people know? I know what I'm doing. And I made so many mistakes. I bought huge floor standards that didn't work in my apartment back in Australia and I had to send them back. It was just- Yeah, right. I mean- You they, learn the yeah, hard way.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I like to use extreme examples. So if you have a room with seven foot ceilings, I mm. wouldn't buy- seven and a half foot high floor standers.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. Yeah,
1: no, but I mean, to my mind, and we actually were talking about this earlier that, you know, the speakers in the room are, they're a sandwich. I mean, you yes. one without the, you know, it's peanut butter and jelly, the, yeah. they go together. You know, so if someone said to me, oh yeah, yeah. Look, I'm looking to build a system. I want to get speakers. You know, one of my first questions is what's your room like? And where are you going to put the speakers? What kind of flexibility do you have placing those speakers? Because if somebody tells me, well, they're going to sit on a bookshelf, okay, that's eliminated uh, any number of options from the equation. Or yeah, if they second, say, well, they've got to be, a, they've got to be about as at most six inches from the front wall, right? You know that will also inf- then that informs the the process, yeah.
0: Right, so if if you're in a living situation where your speakers can go on stands, but they have to go pretty close to the front wall, Mm. I mean, some loose advice might be, well, look at sealed loudspeakers, so speakers without a, a reflex port, or speakers where the reflex port is on the front of the loudspeaker. I yes. say loose because these are general things that yes, sort of for point sure. you and you know, because I know there are always outliers that people like to email you about and go, bah, 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 but yeah, generally speaking, if a speaker has to be positioned very close to the front wall, sealed box or front firing uh, reflex ports are the way to go. Um, and I think that's, that's really important. Cause again, when I was starting out, I wish I'd have known that because, you know, where you get a rear firing reflex port speaker and you put it really close to the wall and you you... get that (laughs) bass sound, right? And it's just, it's, and you wonder why, yeah, you know, it's bassy, but it's not good bassy. Yeah. Because, well, here's the other thing is when you're starting out, a lot of people have been conditioned to think that more bass is, is, is the, (laughs) is the number one indicator of a speaker's quality. I think Mm. that needs to be thrown out of the window immediately because I know I've, you know, in in the late nineties, I rejected a pair of Celestian stand mounts because they didn't have a lot of bass and I went with some mordant shorts and I regretted it Mm. because I just thought no, because in the end, the mordant shorts were too much of that boop, boop sound. And I knew that the Celestians were more refined because they had a metal dome tweeter, although that, you know, that in itself needs a separate conversation, but... (laughs) You know, it's just you. You have to think about the living situation because I also know a lot of people who have. You know, they have a sort of low board along the front wall where they put the TV in the middle. Yes. Right, and some people are only um, able to put the speakers on that low board. Yes. Right, the they stands. You know, for whatever reason, that's a no go. Maybe they've got small kids. Yep. yep. Maybe their living partners just go, no, don't like the look of that. That's ugly. Also a fair call, you know, like I understand. So, yeah, it's just not even
1: the space to, right, to accommodate something alongside that console under the TV.
0: Right, because I'm just thinking about all my friends here in Berlin. None of them have, well, actually one of them does because I lent him a hi-fi system, but none of them, none of the others have loudspeakers as I do or as you do. One guy's got a pair of Adams on a low board situation, Oh, like nice. I just described you know like a, yeah actually i think the same model as you have on your desk is it either 5x or 7x or something like that. i
1: actually have the 3x yeah
0: oh okay well he's 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 blowing you out of the water michael because <laughs> <laughs> obviously there's a night and day difference between the two um, um so yeah i think thinking about if you've got a large room then probably you can accommodate a floor-standing loudspeaker and I'm not saying that floor standers only go in large rooms. I have to. This is the thing about when you talk yeah. about hi fi, you have to qualify everything and you have to also have to cover off all the things you didn't say. Right? why didn't you do that? Why didn't yeah. you mention that, Dak? Right. You have to cover, you have to cover off every angle. It's, it's, it's a bit frustrating uh, you know, at times. But I mean, you've, you have a space for floor standers and I, I could probably squeak them in. Mm -hmm. And I have done, but I've never really been happy. So I tend to stick to stand mounts wherever I've lived. Yeah. Works for me, you know.
1: Well, they tend yeah, you know, stand mounts tend to be more forgiving, right? In terms of uh, setup, placement.
0: Yeah. And also, uh, for me, I mean, as I've discovered this year, twice now, is that you can get an amazing sound when you add a subwoofer to your stand mounts. Right. It's not easy to integrate the two, but when you get it right, by goodness, it's incredible. Now, mm. I guess, is that obvious to the newcomer? I'm not so sure it is, but maybe if, you know, somebody's like yelling Captain Obvious at their, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> at their computer or their phone as they're listening to this, yes, I know it's obvious that subs would, you know, give you more low end. But what's not obvious is how hard it is to set them up.
1: Yeah, and I would I would also say that uh, historically, uh. You know, in the subwoofers have not been a popular topic in the 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 normal hi fi press. Correct. You know, they've almost been shamed mm. to a certain extent. Now, maybe that's a bit extreme, but they're not. They're not. And just like DSP is is, you know, isn't uh, kind of bubbling on the top on the top of the service mm. surface. although um, I know Herb Riker is is really getting into this, and he's got a few recent reviews of uh, smaller subwoofers because he's got yeah. a smaller apartment in uh, in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. which you know. So, um, and he's having a blast, uh, you know, playing with those.
0: I would bet the ninety percent of people listening to this have what we might call a medium to small, and mainly small, lounge room slash listening room. Mm. I think this is the way the world is going. Not everybody lives in, a, in the USA or in the middle of Australia on a, you know, like a 12-acre plot or whatever. They yeah. can have a massive house. Um, and I think a lot of people are trying to maximize sound quality in small spaces. And I've got to say, I have never known entry-level s- loudspeakers to be as good as they are right now today. There are so yeah. many fantastic
1: options out there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was—I want to throw this in here as, as mm. an aside, but what speakers look like, uh, to my mind, is, a, is an important factor, much more so than anything else we're going to talk about. Agreed. Because everything, yeah, right? Because they, I mean, they may be living in your living room, out as if they're a piece of furniture or some other decorative item. They so, are a
0: piece of furniture. That's exactly yeah. what they are. They're furniture that make
1: sound. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, I I would never own a pair of speakers I didn't like looking at. I don't care, (laughs) you know, they might be, you know, blow everything out of the water for half the price, but I'm just not going to go there. You know, you do see a lot of, I mean, I I do see a lot of
0: photos online, Instagram, places like that, where you see a 5.1 system. Let's say it's a Klipsch. So you've got Mm. those big copper-coloured drivers and there's like Mm. two floors down, there's a centre channel, a sub, and then there's the the rear channels. And then there's a a TV the size of your house and it's got a blue light around the edge, you know, the kind of LED lighting. And so it's all mood so that the normal lights are off. And I just look at that and go, no, that is the opposite (laughs) of what I'm about, even though I have some fairly funky looking wall panels on my walls here.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah, but I'm just, yeah, I do think that uh, the aesthetics of a speaker come into play and they—they they just it just does. Uh, and, uh, in other words, like if I s- had a reader you know, ask a, uh, for speaker recommendations and they came back and said, you know what, I'm going to scratch that one off the list because I don't like the way it looks, they're going to be, yeah, sure. Totally, Makes yes. Makes perfect
2: yeah. sense,
0: yeah. Well, I think the stands actually have more, more of them. I mean, they're generally larger than the speakers, so they have more of a visual impact. Um, and I've always used Atacama but I've, I'm hmm. just for the last ten years, I've just used basic Atacama hundred-dollar stands. But I'm I'm changing them this week, um, to something that I think looks nicer. And the only reason I've done it is because of aesthetics, because I think these stands, 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 these stands, will look nicer in in my videos. And obviously, aesthetic considerations are more important now than they ever were. Yeah. But also because I got to look at them all the time because I'm looking at my wilson tune tots right now and i got i got the, the tune top matching stands for those at the moment oh,
2: and okay. they look yeah.
0: for me I, I think they look the business yeah but not everybody's taste you know but i i think right right so i think the stand and it's aesthetics i would say the stands aesthetics are more important than what it really does for the sound of your speaker hmm. that's probably controversial for diehard audiophiles to hear but if you're starting out i think you'd be like yeah i want something that looks good So we should talk about the room as well. Yeah. Because so again, if you're starting out, you really should listen to this because it's very important to think about the sound of your room. So if you clap your hands or click Mm. your fingers, do you hear an echo? Do you hear reverb? So if you do, then you need to try and do something about that. Now I'm not suggesting for a minute for a minute that any beginner should go straight to GIK Acoustics website <laughs> <Right>. or, or <laughs> similar to get a bunch of acoustic treatments. I'm saying if you've got a hard wood floor or you've got tiles, you need to get some rugs down. Yeah. If you've got big windows, you need to get some heavier curtains up. And then also heavy furniture also helps, like having you know a thick couch. And then actually on the rear wall, I, I, I have all my CDs stacked up on the rear wall hmm. and I've, I've got them arranged like that for a reason because they sort of scatter sound, right? They're a They're diffu- diffuser, diffuser, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So definitely try and put something on your rear wall that would scatter sound. So books are really good because
1: yeah, I was just going to say sizes, right?
0: Yeah. Books and,
1: uh, well, even records yeah, uh, you know, are very good room treatments. Right. And I, I would, uh, for anybody starting out yeah building a a library is just a great thing and it and it serves two purposes at it least. does
0: yeah yeah definitely and then and i'm being serious with this next suggestion this is not me extending my april Fool's joke plants plants actually do it do something a little bit you're laughing but they do they do actually do a little bit for sound quality just t- a tiny amount and again hmm. i i'd actually put them Actually, that is one thing that I think makes less of a difference than high-res. So we can file that one down there, right? <laughs> yeah. Because in because I've been thinking about this a lot recently. In my head, I picture like a, a wedge that you would put in a door to hold it open. Mm-hmm. So at the thick end of the wedge are mm. the room and the loudspeakers. And at the very end of the wedge are high-res audio and plants, right? Like, <laughs> right? So and we're talking from the thick end of the wedge backwards today, right?
2: Mm. Mm.
0: So... You know, I've always sort of stacked my rooms with furniture as much as I possibly can without it looking like there's so much furniture. It looks like a horrible. warehouse.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just
0: horrible. It's get, Getting the balance right is hard. I mean, I have bass traps. I would not recommend to any beginner to go and, go and instantly buy bass traps unless, you know, you're trying to you're starting from scratch and, you know, hmm. you know what you're getting into and how much physical and aesthetic intrusion that bass traps can bring. Yeah. Because it's quite a lot. It really yeah. is. And it pushes my buttons, and I'm so far into this stuff. So most beginners would look at them and go, no fucking way am I having those in my house. So you kind of have to have, you know, like, just don't go the minimalist route with your furniture. You know, and don't go like hardwood floors or concrete or hmm. tiles are the worst. I once lived in an apartment that had tiles, which were awful, like living in a swimming pool.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, tile floors and big sliding glass doors usually go together, and they're the worst, yeah.
0: I lived in an exact apartment like that. My second apartment in Australia was like that. Yeah. And I, when we moved in, I remember feeling crushed as soon as I fired up the hi-fi. I just fired <laughs> it up and went, oh God, what have I done? Because <laughs> everything sounded so swimmy and distorted, you know? And I'm like, oh geez. Yeah. And there's nothing I can do because it's a rental. Like all my apartments I live in have rentals, but um, you know, like it's just, you can, there's only so much beginners can do about their room. But I think, you know, big couch, rugs heavy curtains, Mm -hmm. plants, you know, just, yeah, media, CDs, records, books. You know, I think all of these things incrementally can help. What comes out of the speaker isn't just direct sound aimed at you because the lower the frequency, the more omnidirectional it becomes. Mm -hmm. So low frequencies fire backwards towards the front wall which is a weird thing to say backwards towards the front wall but you understand what i mean like they go off in all directions and so they fire off and then so we don't just hear the direct sound from the speaker we hear reflected sound that comes off a wall or off the ceiling or off the floor now for most people there's bugger all you could do about the ceiling but the floor yeah. you can put a rug down right so yeah that's why we do it is to minimize the impact of reflected sound because reflected sound is always late so it creates these weird comb filter effects where
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know some frequencies are boosted and some are dipped. No, it's not the right word, is it? Reduced? What's the opposite of boosted? <laughs> shelved know. down. Yeah, shelved down. I guess shelved down, yeah. So you kind of get, this is why it's called a comb filter because you get peaks and troughs in your frequency response. So the the speaker in the room is really how you need to see your loudspeaker. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right?
1: Yeah, I thought yeah, I thought maybe you were gonna go uh here, and that is um because you mentioned earlier that you bought a pair of floor centers. that uh, and I and where I was going is there, that you could get a speaker that is too much speaker for the room, period. There's yes. nothing you can do about yes. it.
0: Exactly. Yes. Um
1: and I can, you know, while I understand the desire to get a full range speaker, I I mean, we have to be realistic and and look at where these things are going to live. And if the room cannot handle them, you're doing yourself a big disservice by buying too much speaker for the room. And this is where, especially, and it is a complex subject. However, if speaker placement isn't wide open, they're going to have to, you know, live near the front wall, on and on and on. Then, yeah, uh, stand-mount speakers with a subwoofer give you much more flexibility uh, Yes, th- in terms of dealing with the interaction of the speaker in the room than do uh, a big pair of passive floor standers.
0: Mm. Well, yeah, because with the sub, you can turn down its gain You know, yeah. relative to, to, the, to the stand mount, to the main speakers. And if you've got floor standers where, where the bass is part of the speaker, you can't do that. You know, right, the, the, right. the bass is as loud as the rest of it because that's how it's designed and it, it the speaker is not aware of how much room loading is going on with your bass but with the sub you know roughly how much room going loading is going on because you can hear it because it's it's overpowering and you can turn it down you can also you know adjust the crossover points so and you can move the sub around as well because that well, also yeah has... I was just
1: going to say yeah placement yeah it can right. be anywhere so so it's,
0: I, I, I mean, yes, it's its a hugely complex topic, which I would probably say I know
1: 0.01% about. I know. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Yes, I mean, it, it depends on the direction we want to go in terms of talking about this, but I am certainly no expert in room treatment. Right. Um, for any number of reasons, but one of the main ones being I've been fortunate enough to have spaces that didn't require a lot of room treatment right or any see mine does
0: and i've done it a little bit and i'm going to go further into this later in the year yeah but i realize that is yeah the niche within the niche within a niche and so i'm just doing it for me so i can better improve the listing the listing environment it's not going to look great relative to you know a Mm. normal apartment but you know that's the choice i have to make
1: yeah yeah Now, so I would hand in hand with the uh, stand mountain or bookshelf speakers, mm. you know, depending on budget. But to my mind, a lot of people who are just getting started who are not planning to spend thousands and thousands of dollars on a mm. system are can be very well served with powered or active or active speakers, speakers with the amplifier built in. Hmm. And that's another uh, topic that hasn't been at the fore in, let's say, mainstream uh, hi-fi publications. Active speakers have also, I guess, uh, taken a back seat to passive speakers for for whatever reason. Hmm. Um, well, I think
0: I think the reason is is people, or well, audiophiles like to tinker. Yeah, as we discussed. They like to play around. They like to upgrade different components. But I'm not so sure that when you're starting out, that should really necessarily be a consideration. You want the process to be as simple as possible because building a hi-fi system is hard at the best of times. Hmm. So as you've said, powered slash active speakers where the amps are inside the speaker, that takes a lot of the pain away of trying to, this is the next thing you should consider, right? After your speakers, yep. you've got to find an amplifier that will power those those loudspeakers. Mm-hmm. Now, yes, you can go pre-amplifier with a separate power amplifier, but I think for most newcomers, forget that, you want an integrated. Yeah. Where everything's all in one. And then you, you need to know things like how efficient your loudspeaker is. So that means it's SPL at one meter when fed with one watt, right? Hmm. So uh, your typical stand mount is about 85 dB, 86. Some go down to 84. And then you've got speakers that go all the way up to like 103, which don't require a lot of amplifier power at all. But most stand mounts, you're going to want, generally speaking, a decent amount of power. I would say minimum 60 watts per channel? Maybe 80? I don't know. What what do you think about this?
1: It's always a a thorny one, isn't it? Well, it is, because it's it it really is, uh, it's not super complex, but in addition to sensitivity, yeah, we need to talk about impedance as well, Mm. because that uh, combination creates the load that the amplifier sees. Yes. And uh, so if the speaker dips down to two ohms, and uh, there are speakers out there that do, Mm. Then you're going to need, uh, you know, more power to to handle those. And it's not even a, just a question of power. So that it does, you know. And I am not. Uh, it's like my head starts to to hurt when I start to talk about these things because, to my to my mind, when looking for speakers, I have to say. I am a huge fan, if you're getting past the speakers, of buying speakers that present a reasonable load. You know, I mean, that's mm. just the way it goes. I mean, yeah, and the rare exception, you know, I, I have heard, you know, old quad 57s, Maggie's panel speakers sound brilliant and they have a sound of their own. I understand the appeal. And so, yeah, in those cases, you know, go for it and you're going to need to be very selective about the amplifier you make with, certainly with quad 57s and Maggie's, you know, they've got their own requirements. But with with normal passive uh, box speakers, I, I just say buy, buy efficient speakers. It will make your life so much more pleasant going forward Ooh. because it opens up the type of amplifier you can make them with to basically anything and everything. When mm. we were talking about loudspeakers before, I was thinking, should I make suggestions? But
0: I don't want to make suggestions of models, but I would suggest people look into brands, right? Brands like Q Acoustics, Wharfdale, Mission, Kef. Have I just reeled Hmm. off a whole bunch of British brands? Elac. I mean, who else does really good stuff at the entry level? Triangle, the French company. Hmm. Um, I'm trying to to think. There's probably loads out there that I'm I'm missing right now, but those sort of brands, but they're, they're all sort of... 84 85 86 87 db hmm. i think the missions are a bit higher but you're right like if you can get super high efficient speakers like the zoo omen dirty weekend mm-hmm. which is a thousand dollars which is oh god i don't want to misquote whatever their efficiency is but it's a high efficiency speaker i would say so yeah. it's
1: approaching 90 if not yeah yeah or if not even a little higher yeah
0: yeah so you can you can pretty much drive those with most amplifiers but i haven't you know with my sort of experimentation with missions and Q acoustics recently i mean yeah most amplifiers that i have here 60 watt per channel um which i think is the name unity i i think it's 60 watts per channel hmm. but then again you see yeah because you've you touched on this but current delivery is also important but yes. that's not that's not numerically indicated on the box so you've got really got no idea you just have to hope that the amplifier as well as having enough watts also has enough current delivery hmm. so really the watts per channel is i won't say it, it's it's a red herring, but it's it's not the complete picture, is it? It's it's just part of what you need to know,
1: right? And that's you know, and this is where uh, I'll tip um, my hat to John Atkinson and mm. and uh, the measurements that he provides uh, in stereophile for speakers, because mm. he's giving you information about speaker behavior that the manufacturer either may not be providing or I, you know, he, certainly it's been the case, uh, that some manufacturers have overstated, uh, speaker efficiency. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so, yes. you know, yeah, that's, you know, this is an area, but, you know, as I'm saying all these things, as we're talking about all these things, I'm thinking, God, it, we're it's even, I'm like getting like, really, do you really have to go on about this shit for someone who's just putting together a system? And that's where, Again, it's like budget and whatever, but a pair of uh, powered speakers, then you literally just don't have to deal with this stuff. And agreed. Yeah. If there's stand mount speakers, there are so many. There just, there really are so many great uh, stand mount powered speakers out there today, starting from a couple hundred dollars a pair Mm. on up that unless you really are also interested in playing around with, uh you know, playing around with tube amplifiers and different, you know, different amplifiers and things, I would just, you know, boy, that, I mean, if I was today, if I was, you know, starting out, for if our daughters, you know, said, hey, what should I get for my apartment? Powered speakers all the way. And they, I would even say, And get something with it, with the uh, DAC built in as well. And then it's just stream to it and you're done.
0: Yeah, I agree. Absolutely agree. I mean, I'm I'm trying to think because in Berlin, we have Adam audio, Eve audio, head audio. So these are mainly pro speakers, but then you've got Neumann and I wouldn't be put off by the fact that they are seen as pro speakers. So if you're a newcomer, you listen to this and go, well, aren't they for recording studios? Well, what's, what's the bloody difference like it's they're designed to <laughs> I guess in 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 recording studio vernacular translate you know the sound of what goes in to what comes out do you think like hi-fi uh, manufacturers are operating under any uh, under different well that is principles a, no I mean this is that, that's a that that debate is a distraction it's a total distraction
1: it is but there's certain like uh, and I'll use an easy example that's no longer manufactured the quad 57s. Are not going to be used in a studio situation. They were, you know, they're, and they're very quirky speaker, um, but they're wonderful to listen to. But they are not by any stretch of the imagination, a speaker you'd want to use to, to master a recording with. Sure. But I guess I was talking, I was picking
0: up on your powered speakers vibe of like, okay, powered speakers are used a lot in recording studios or by, yes. you know, people who have home studios. Yes. And so, there are some fantastic bargains to be had in the pro audio market because
1: I agree. That's why I have these Adams. You know, I've had these for, I don't even, it can be eight years. Maybe I've had these and, and they're they're wonderful speakers. The only temptation I've had uh, lately is Adam has come out with a a less expensive line. uh, And I would love to hear those. And they also have a very expensive. So, when I say I should look it up. Yeah. So, the TV, the Atom TV seven, which has a seven inch driver, are $250 mm. uh, a piece. That's mm-hmm. the thing about when you get into the, into the pro monitor world, uh, typically the price is given. Per speaker,
0: <laughs> yeah, you got to be careful; otherwise, you end up with one speaker being delivered to your door. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you're like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas anyway. in the hi- hi-fi world, we should be clear: it's usually priced per pair. So when you, you know, when you order something, it's a pair of speakers that arrive.
1: Right, right, right. So uh, yeah, it's, it's actually the case. So yeah, if you are getting into this and you start shopping around and looking at at uh, monitor pro- studio monitors, mm. uh, they're typically priced at yeah, each. But anyway, I'd be curious to hear those uh, because these are the ones I have, the A3X, they're a higher priced uh, line. You know, so Dynaudio also has uh, some active speakers in the Pro line. Oh, yes, yes. They're just amazing. But Tanoi also makes yes, yeah. some active speakers that are wonderful and like super inexpensive. Uh, well, you know, in the grand scheme of things, so I'm saying about $180 a piece or so if you find them mm. on sale. So, you know, that's, to me, it's a very appealing, uh, oh. and so are the, you know, so are the Kefs, you know, in, in every way. So mm. to, to my mind, the Kefs, you know, they're, we are getting more expensive, but, you know, they, they also look, they don't look like the atoms do. The Adams have a very utilitarian, uh, look that may not appeal to some people which yeah
0: sure but i yeah. but i think the, the the main point here is that if you're confused by oh my god like what what's the impedance of my speaker and yeah. how many <laughs> watts per channel do i need from my amplifier oh my god this is too much then i i completely empathize with that position and you should look at powered loudspeakers where the engineering has been done inside the speaker and the amplifier has been designed at the driver level so that you don't even have to worry about that. You've got a plug and play speaker, which technically you you could just connect your phone to if you wanted to. Yeah, sure. With a three and a half mil jack and that. Yeah. I mean, but I think it's also important to point out, oh God, this is certainly true of the Sonos one, the smaller Sonos speakers, even if you have a stereo pair, if you've got a pair of entry-level Adams or entry-level Q acoustics with an outboard amplifier Those last two are going to beat the sound of the Sonos ones. The Sonos Five. Well, that's a tougher proposition. Mm. But generally, if you kind of spend a few grand on a pair of speakers and an amplifier, you're going to beat the sound of the the Sonos Five. Even though I have the utmost respect for what the Five can do, and it's a complete solution. It's all streaming, and it's there's literally no setup involved apart from setting it up with a phone. So, but generally speaking, it is pretty easy to. If you spend enough money to beat Sonos, you'd have to spend that much more.
1: It's been years since I've had Sonos in for review, many mm. years. But m- a lot of my friends uh, who are not connected to this uh, hobby have Sonos. Mm. Yeah, and and yeah, they've done a brilliant job. I mean, that's why they, you know, their Sonos's annual sales probably uh, is greater than the entire high high end hi fi industry sales. And I'm not joking. I just, I want to sweep something up a little bit about mm. amplifiers and, and you know, getting the amplifier that can power the speakers. I think for the most part, the reason for that conversation is for people who are considering a tube amplifier. Because if you're getting a solid mm. any kind of solid-state amplifier, here's what I would say: just get at least 100 watts a channel, 150 watts a channel, and you don't have to even think about this conversation. Unless you get again some panel speakers or some in the price ranges we're talking, 100 watts, 150 watts, you're fine, you're good to go. So the all really, to my mind, like if somebody's out there and they're like, you know, I'd really love to to play around with tube amps. I've read so much about them, or I've heard some. And I'd love to do that. That's when we. That's when you you have to start looking at numbers in terms mm. of you know the load that a speaker presents, because a t- you know a typical tube amp it can range anywhere from twenty to forty, sixty baby watts. Mm. You know, I, But you know, see, I'm going to disagree with you
0: politely here about the. At least 100 watts thing. Hmm. Because if you're looking to buy at least 100 watts from your, we're assuming entry level ish integrated amp, you're probably going to be looking at a class D amp. Not, well, yeah, right? not, not necessarily, but. But there aren't many that go above 60 or 80 at class AB at that price, like below, a, I'm thinking below a grand.
1: Oh, well, there's, I was doing research for a friend of mine. And um, I didn't know he didn't provide exactly uh, the speakers <laughs> that he was going mm. to be using. So I I looked for amp- amps that were at least 100 watts. Mm-hmm. And he has a few other requirements, and I came one of the amps I came across was the Yamaha. Uh, I'm not going to say the model because I don't I don't know this amp, but I'm just saying it's Yamaha receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 150 bucks and it's a hundred Watts a channel, but they're also, you know, but there's, there's a Sony receiver, same, same deal, $168, Mm. um, uh, and there, and other brands as well. The Sony's 90 Watts. I forget, you know, there's a Denon, there's right on and on and on. And, you know, so yeah, they're under 200 bucks, hundred Watts. Um, and they're, these are not uh, digital amps. Right, so they're Class A, B amplifiers. They're class with... A, B, yeah. Right, okay. So, so, you know, but that that being said, be, and I did this because he already has speakers, right? If he did not mm. already have speakers, I absolutely would have gone or would have recommended uh, some power speakers. Because in the end, even like... Let's say, you know, I, I, let's, say you've got some like Bose outdoor speakers. I mean, I'm thinking about it or, I mean, these, these Bose speakers were like 500 bucks. So it's like, you're talking about a $700 investment, right? Mm. Even if you know, with this Yamaha and these, so for $700, you get a amazing, crazy good pair of, of, uh, powered speakers. I mean, cr- really, like crazy good. Do you
0: think newcomers should get hung up on the differences between Class A, B and Class D? No. No, I don't either. I'd be like, just buy the amplifier that does the things you want it to do. That you know, you obviously, well, I say obviously, are you going to audition it? It's a bit hard at the moment. But even then, not all <coughs> all hi-fi retailers stock all the amps that you might be interested in. But, yeah, I guess some will have Denon and Morant. Some, well, Sony, I'm not so sure, but um, some will have NAD, some will have mm-hmm. Cambridge Audio in the UK. Yeah, make sure. Make some good stuff, right? Right, right. And I'm mentioning these things because I know we're talking about newcomers, you know, building a hi-fi system. So for me, I always think about NAD and Cambridge, but that's what I kind of grew up with. But for, you might have other ideas. Yeah, like like Morantz, like Denon,
1: like... Um, Yeah. Well, that's it. You see the issue. Uh, And I'll stick to this example, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, helping out a friend, Mm -hmm. you know, I thought of, uh, something like the blue sound power note, but it's out of his, it's more than he would like to spend. Yeah. I see. But the thing is that device I think is worth
0: the stretch. If you have to stretch yourself because it does everything. It's got the DAC in the streamer in it's just, and it's idiot proof. And it's very family friendly because the new version has that touch panel on the top that has the presets, right? So you can set up like a radio station or a, I think a playlist, or maybe that's not enabled yet, but it will be coming. And anybody can like, no one can look at it and go, well, how do I turn the volume up and down? There's a slider on the front. So I think, for, I wouldn't say that's my number one choice because it isn't, but if you want something super discreet, yeah, definitely. That doesn't look like a piece of hi-fi gear that looks like an, an amplifier with a streamer and a DAC that Apple would make. Yeah, the Blue Sound Power Note for sure. Yeah, I'm just looking to see the current price. I think it's 900 US.
1: Yes, right, right. I know. So, yeah, like I said, that Yamaha receiver I was looking at for him is $150. That's, you know. Wow, okay. It You know, it's a huge multiple. There's going to be people listening
0: right now who are thinking... Why don't you buy secondhand? Yeah. There's, gonna be, there's always that guy, right? It's like, well, you should use my-. No, because supply is inconsistent around the world, as is pricing. So I know it's a nice sentiment, but it has very little bearing in reality, especially when you're like you and I are broadcasting to a global audience. Because yeah. we could go get this original NAD 3020. And then if you live in Australia, Good
1: luck with that. <laughs> but in the UK, there might be loads of knocking about. Yeah. Plus, I mean, when you get to the secondhand market, I mean, I've bought my fair share of uh, of Hi-Fi from, from the secondhand market. But for someone just starting out, I wouldn't recommend it because it can be a nightmare. It can yes. be an absolute nightmare. I agree. And what I mean by that is you could buy something that doesn't work properly. Then what do you do? Yeah. You know, yeah. It can be very stressful. Yeah. Yeah. I just wouldn't, wouldn't. <laughs> wouldn't go down that road, especially because today, you know, the quality that you can get for reasonable amounts of money is just so good. Mm.
0: You know, actually, I uh, th- this is a good point to raise this issue, is that when you're starting out, you're often told you should spend, what, 50, 60% of your budget on loudspeakers, and then the rest ah. on, right? Right. I don't think that's true anymore, especially if you're buying components below a grand or below 500 bucks. Because I think loudspeakers are better value for money um, than amplifiers. And I think to get a decent amplifier, and I'm thinking of that NAD mission system that i made a video Mm. about recently, the, the mission speakers were 300 euros. The amplifier is 400, I think which completely blows out of the water <laughs> this notion that you should spend most of your money on loudspeakers because i think at the entry level that's no longer true mm. i think you you almost have to spend more money on the on the amplification because there's no cheaping out on it yeah. so if you spend 300 bucks on a pair of loudspeakers and you stick to this old school thinking of most of your money on the speakers what, what are you going to give to like, the amplifier 100 bucks like right. there's not, there isn't a lot you can buy for a hundred bucks and I don't think there'd be a lot that will be good. And I think, I, th- I think it's well, I'm a big fan of putting more costly amplification with cheaper speakers, especially, you know, in entry-level systems. But that's me. I mean, you've just highlighted an amplifier
1: that sells for a hundred bucks. I wasn't
0: aware of. So maybe that would fly. I don't know.
1: Right. But here's the, I'll, I'll, since we're getting into specifics, I just did a quick look up um, so I mm-hmm. can, so I can and these are speakers that i reviewed years ago and that i mm. still recommend they're the tannoy reveal it, there's a line okay and these mm. are power they call them studio monitors all right mm. so uh the i'm almost certain that the ones i reviewed were the 402 and that they have a and that refers to the 4 inch woofer so mm. there's uh you know there's larger sizes in this reveal line at present these Tenor Reveal 402 uh, are $109 each. Wow. And they're holy crap. Right. They have unbalanced and balanced inputs. Um, and they're great little speakers. Mm. So for, you know, 220 bucks.
2: That's know, amazing. You,
1: you don't have to yeah. think about uh anything else except for your source. What mm. you know, right? So Yeah, I mean, that to me is such, and, you know, depending on what you think of the looks, I mean, you know, they're very plain looking, but Mm. I mean, they're just a a great little speaker for that kind of, I mean, really, that's, you know, that's, that's, it really is crazy money in terms of what you're getting performance-wise.
0: So while we're talking specifics, I might as well bring up that Pioneer loudspeaker that Andrew Jones designed about five years ago yeah that everyone went nuts for yeah and and the model number i mean i have to laugh every time i roll this off my tongue because i think it's called the spbs is it 22 lr or something like that it's like it's like 130 us dollars i think it was selling in best buy and amazon fantastic little speaker and i think there's a sony as well that's about five or six years old that's also knocking about that's also apparently very very good for about a hundred and something dollars a pair so if you if you do a little bit of digging on the net you can you you know it won't take you long before you come up with a a couple of very decent entry level and i'm talking about passives so i guess i'm batting for passives this week and you're batting for actives um but there are plenty of choices it depends if you yeah if you want to go passive and do the amplifier dance or not
1: yeah i mean i would throw in just because I, I actually still have a pair of, uh, Elac debut, uh, the ones I have are the 2.0 B 6.2. Mm-hmm. You know, the model numbers are crazy, but I did a quick search and you could get, I uh, well, those, whatever you could get a, a pair of uh, the debut 2.0 B 52s for 200 bucks for the pair. Other wow. passive speaker, but you know, though, yeah, it's Andrew Jones again, but there's a lot of options out there, um, you know, for not a lot of money. That, yeah, I guess the reason why I'm sticking to this, um, powered speaker thing is it's because it, it's, um, I don't know, to my mind, it makes so much sense. Mm. Of, of course, with these, uh, with almost any with these tenoys, right? You're talking about. They have uh, one input, mm-hmm. so keep that in mind.
0: And I guess the other speaker that you and I both spoke about on the phone the other day was the Vanatu powered loudspeaker. Yeah, yeah, well, there's, yeah. There's two different models, right? Yeah, uh, I I had the first one. I remember it having having a lot of low end. They for do a very right because of the, the don't they have a radiator on the back?
1: They yes, yeah, they do. So the two. They have The Transparent Zero, was that their first, Mm. uh, right? That was the first one that came out? Or no? No, it wasn't. The Transparent One. I'm thinking
0: it's 2014 that I've tackled those, yeah.
1: Yeah, so, right. They've since uh, come out with a new version of the Transparent Mm -hmm. One they call the Encore. And those start at $4.99 a pair. Yeah. Uh, And then they came out with the less expensive, the Transparent Zero, that start at $3.20 a pair Mm -hmm. yeah they both of their speakers offer a ton of bass Mm. um and they're really they're very they're very impressive speakers as well yeah they
0: are very good especially if you are that kind of listener who says no i absolutely want a lot of bass i mean you know because there are people like that yeah i mean some people will kind of compromise and go okay right i realize that sound quality isn't all about the amount of bass you have but some people will just want to stick on that idea
1: well if that's you you go, go and
0: look up vanatu v-a-n-a-t-o-o
1: yeah for sure and they, and both of those speakers have dax built in
0: as well right so so we should actually we should move on to dax because if we assume that you've bought a pair of passive loudspeakers and outboard amplifier like an external amplifier mm. or a pair of powered slash active loudspeakers we won't get into the differences between those two right now but yeah just assuming the amps are inside the box and you have to mm. feed an analog source into the back right right you could connect your phone's headphone socket if it has one to that system or you could connect your laptop's headphone socket but i mean what are the
1: drawbacks of that michael as far as you the, the way you see it of of going uh analog out of your phone, your laptop into, yeah. it's going to yeah. sound shitty. That's the drawback.
0: Yeah, it's going to sound, I mean, I wouldn't say shitty, but I would say it's going to be okay. But if you get an external DAC, a USB DAC or something like that, it's its just going to be, you know, audiophiles love to say this phrase and it makes me cringe every time I say it, right? Orders of magnitude better, <laughs> right? What is it about orders of magnitude? <laughs> well, is, am oh. I... Was this something that people in the 60s and 70s were taught at school? Because I must have, I missed that lesson, I may but. have
1: slept through that class, it's highly likely. <laughs> right. So I don't use that phrase, but...
0: Right, but you see it a lot, right? Orders of magnitude better. But yes, I, I think an external DAC, like something from shit, AudioQuest, Topping, all of these $100 units, Helm Bolt, like these little dongle DACs I've been speaking about recently, THX Onyx, Zorlu Stella i trying to think of other $100 DACs. They will all sound better than the headphone socket on your laptop
1: or your phone if it has one, right? Yeah, they they will. And the, the thing I like about dongle DACs, especially for this, um, if I was putting together a system for the first time or recommending a system, is you could take them on the road. You know, mm-hmm. so they serve. Yeah, yeah. I, I really do. I do like... Um, and the, and really the helm bolt and the and at, at the hundred dollar level the helm bolt is a um, really among my favorites. Uh, yeah, because I just reviewed a whole bunch and I really like mm. the helm bolt. I still like the dragonflies, um, the THX. Uh, I really like that their deck as well. And we're again we're talking. Well, the cobalt is up to three hundred, but the dragonfly reds at two. Mm-hmm. The Th- Stack I think is at two and the Helmbolt's yeah. at a hundred, and any any one of those um, will offer much better sound than that than what comes out of a laptop or a phone. It'll just, it will certainly sound yeah just better. You'll hear more of what's in the recording. To quote Billy Eilish, <laughs> right? But you also get better
0: separation. You get yeah you get more detail you you get a better sense of space in the recording.
1: Yeah, and things will sound more like they sound in real life. Yeah, this more saxophone realistic. Saxophone will sound more like a saxophone and on and on and on, yeah. But the, the thing about the
0: Hound Bolt is it does ha- that has a gotcha with the hi-fi system because it has that auto-impedance detection. And so it drops its voltage from 2 to 1 when it detects something that is connected to something below 150 ohms. Now, when I've tried that with integrated here, mm. it's always sounded very quiet compared to other DACs yeah, that don't yeah, do yeah. that voltage drop. Yeah. So you've either got to have a lot of gain on your integrated or be just know that it will sound quieter in a hi-fi system. Mm. But you're absolutely right. Like dongle DACs are great because you can use them at home in your hi-fi system and then you can take them out of the house and plug them into your phone and then use them with a pair of headphones. Yeah, And it will make your headphones sound better, yeah. assuming you're using wired headphones and not Bluetooth, right? Because right. they have no bearing on Bluetooth at all. Right. but. Yeah I'm, I'm a big fan of those kinds of things especially cuz you can connect them to a Raspberry Pi and that's a whole other world I don't mm. want to get too much into the yeah. Pi world today mm. but it does it does sort of bring us along to streaming sources like how you get your music from where you know from the cloud from I don't know Apple Tidal Kobo Spotify mm. into your newly built hi-fi system right so let's say you've got your speakers your amp your DAC and maybe the DAC is connected to a Pi or a laptop. Obviously, if it's connected to a laptop, you have an interface already—the keyboard and the trackpad—so you can control any streaming service you like. But if you're using a Pi or a third-party network streamer, hmm. although I don't think there are that that many below five hundred bucks, apart from say the Blue Sound Node, which. A lot of people listening to this who are more advanced than newcomers will go. Well, how does a Blue sound node compared to, you know, a THX Onyx connected to a Pi? Oh God, I, th- I think somebody asked me that. I think the Onyx would have the edge, maybe. yeah uh, gosh! But not with dynamics. The, the Dragonflies are
1: more dynamically snappy. Yeah, the node is five fifty, at least. Yeah,
0: it's a great piece, but it's expensive.
1: It's great. Yeah, in, in the yeah in the world we're talking about, yeah, it's expensive. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, Back to this friend of mine, I'm gonna mm. you, you know, and use him. He he used Spotify, and he was looking mm. for a receiver with uh, Wi-Fi because that's how right. he prefers to to do things, mm. right? So he goes, which is it's fine by me, right? Yeah, sure, yeah. So, so for him, yeah, the the his requirement was having Wi-Fi, mm. uh, having uh, an amp receiver with Wi-Fi capability but um you know it depends on on what you're using i mean if you have, if you're using spotify and if you're using a dongle deck you could run spotify on your phone and just hardwire in
0: yeah i mean i i wouldn't do it that way i would i would have a pi and i'll connect my dongle deck to the pi and then the dongle deck would output into my sure. integrated amp but importantly on the pi i would i would like to well here i would like to highlight two operating systems mm. the first one is volumio mm-hmm. Um, its web based interface does take a little bit of getting used to if you've come from the world of Sonos or any other sort of streaming service, but it does Spotify Connect and it does Tidal Connect. And these Connect services, I think, mm. are fan- for me, they're the number one f- reason I w- subscribe to these services. Because when I punch in a song on Spotify on my phone, if I'm sat on my couch and my pie is near my front wall, Front wall michael connected to my hi-fi system i can tell spotify to send the stream to that pi and then the pi will start pulling it down from the cloud right great that's basically how spotify connect works so the the stream does not travel through the phone mm-hmm. and it's the same with Tidal connect right you just nominate your pi your volumio pi as the out or yeah the, the catcher of the stream And it pulls it down from the cloud. But a lot of people with iPhones like to use AirPlay. And in this particular situation, AirPlay is the only way you can get Apple Music into a Pi because no other third-party hardware or software manufacturer beyond Sonos integrates Apple Music, as far as I'm aware at this moment in time. Mm. So you kind of have to use AirPlay, right? right? Now, AirPlay, when you say, I want to send this Apple Music stream to my Pi, yeah, you can do it, and it will do that, but the, the stream travels from the cloud through the iPhone mm-hmm. and then onto the Pi,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? Um, people ask about Chromecast. I don't think Chromecast has been, I'll use a fairly brutal word here, hacked into shape for the Pi. So for that, you would need a Chromecast-enabled streamer, or mm. if you can find one on eBay, get the uh, google chromecast audio puck which is is used to sell for 40 bucks but i don't know what they're going for now because they're pretty rare i think but that handles all streaming services but with the caveat that you don't get gapless
1: playback yeah that was discontinued that's
0: yeah a couple of years ago yeah and a lot of people still ask me john what is gapless playback i get gaps between my tracks all the time what are you talking about Uh, Well, well i'm not talking about albums that have gaps between tracks as many of them do i'm talking about the albums where Tracks blend seamlessly into one another, like Pink Floyd or Tool or any DJ mix in the world of DJ mixes in the history of DJ DJ mixes ever. It's designed to flow flawlessly. So if you've got a streamer, namely the Google Chromecast audio, it will slice gaps between those track transitions whether you want them or not. Hmm. So that's the caveat with that. Whereas Spotify Connect does not do that. Title Connect does not do that. Nor does airplay. Oh, blimey, This is so it gets complicated when you get into the streaming side of things, right? Yeah,
1: it sure does.
0: Yeah, but well, it,
1: it can, yes.
0: Yeah, it can, yes.
1: <laughs> Maybe I just make it complicated. I don't know, but but yeah, when I say it can get complicated, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to, but you know, all things that this is when so now we're starting to dig into uh sound quality. Uh, mm-hmm. And and sound quality in in terms of streaming, mm-hmm. right? So uh, this scenario where I said, you know, you could use your phone, blah, blah, blah. Well, you wouldn't do that. Why wouldn't you do that? Why would you go with a Pi? And just uh, like people, uh, for anyone unfamiliar with a Pi, all in on a Raspberry Pi and you have to buy the power supply in a little case, you're talking about sort of, yeah. like 90 bucks or something? Yeah, about that. About a hundred bucks now. Yeah, a yeah, hundred uh, bucks. I4. Yeah, yeah. So. But so why would you say the Pi over the phone?
0: Well, because the Pi just sits in the rack, and you can keep the phone in your hand, and it's, you don't have a, a wire trailing across the floor right. from your phone to right. the hi-fi rack. No, I won't even say hi-fi rack because, please, if I, 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 I know that manufacturers of hi-fi racks will hate me for saying this, but if you're starting out, you don't, don't buy enough gear that you need a hi-fi rack. <laughs> just buy speakers, an amp, a DAC, and then have a Pi feeder or your computer feeder, and You know, use a sideboard or whatever. I'm sorry about the noise coming in right now. There's a there's a restaurant near my house, and at this time every day, there's either a violinist or a saxophonist. Oh, nice! Right, so it's kind of a sax what? (laughs) A saxophonist. What do you call it? (laughs) Saxophonist. Don't you call it a saxophonist? I thought that was like a sex doctor. No kidding. Are you going to go all Homer Simpson on me and go saxophone?
1: <laughs> like, no, I just said this. I just haven't heard anyone use that particular phrase.
0: And sex, really saxophonist, isn't that not a word that you use in America? No. Is it too long for you?
1: Yeah, it is. Just too many syllables. That's the thing. Especially in New Jersey, that's why curse words are so good. You don't have many multi-syllabic curse words. Multi what? Syllabic. <laughs> yeah, very good. <laughs> and that hurt for me to say that. Right. I, I'm sure. Sax player. We we use that often. Oh, sax player. Yeah. Okay. I just, whatever.
0: So get your speakers, get an amp, get a, a DAC connected to a Pi, and you'll just need like the TV console or your low board or your commode or what it, yeah. whatever you call it, wherever you live in the world, right? Yeah. And you have, you try and fit it all on there. And the the advantage of having the Pi is that you use your phone as a remote control, basically to control the audio that the Pi pulls down from the cloud, apart from when you're using AirPlay, which, you know, the phone pulls it down, then sends it on to the Pi. It's important to mention that because that's why I bloody well hate AirPlay. I'm sorry. I know people love it and people, Mm. oh, I love it. It's great, but I've got an iPhone. But like for me, it just, it saps battery life. And also, I guess from a theoretical point of view, it just annoys me that the stream has to travel through the phone on its way to the the Raspberry Pi streamer. Because there's no need for it as Spotify Connect and Title Connect yeah, and great. Chromecast have all shown us, great. right? So why is Apple lagging on this one? I don't know. Maybe maybe Airplay 3 when it gets announced will finally work in the same way as Spotify Connect, mm. Title Connect. You would hope so given that Apple music is kind of I won't say it's its profile has risen. I guess in the audio world it in the Hi Fi world it has, but I guess we're more aware of it now because it's offering lossless streaming. So there's more people, you know, yes. Well, no, they are. Off, they're offering lossless. Yeah. So it'll be CD quality across the board for everything by the end of the year. Yeah. But I think there are a lot of people out there who use who use Apple Music. I've been very surprised by the number of people on my Patreon who have said, oh, thumbs up for adding Apple Music playlists. When I publish my playlists, huh. I used to just do Spotify, Tidal, and Cobras, and now I, I, I do Apple, Spotify, Tidal, and Cobas.
1: And there's quite a few people who you know use Apple. I'm surprised. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, it, Apple completely disappeared from my world years ago, mm. and everyone, everyone that would have been an Apple iTunes user is a, Sp- is a Spotify user today. Like my mm. our daughter's older friends, most of my friends, they're all Spotify, right? Users, yeah. Uh, it's just the way it goes. Um, and yeah, I think you know that. You know, so another, what appears to be important, it's certainly important for me, is the interface to my music, to my right. digital music. Let's say, yes. right? So to my even for streaming. But because I mix both, I use Title, I use Cobuz, and I have stored files. Mm-hmm. Um, so Rune is indispensable for me and my tastes. And mm-hmm. once, you know, so I'm very attached to Rune. But I think, well, I know that many of the people who use Spotify are very attached to the interface and what yes. it gives them playlists yes. and sharing and suggestions and all this. Mm. It's become uh, uh, as it's become an important ingredient in the whole experience. Right. And I wouldn't want to discount that, you know.
0: Or, or right, because you can you can make a playlist in Spotify and then share it with somebody else. Yes. And chances are they'll be using Spotify.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah.
0: I mean, I know there are a lot, a lot of sort of moral or ethical issues as to why one might not choose Spotify. But, I mean, I just don't know whether – I mean, do you think – do you think Rune fits into the entry-level no. Wi-Fi conversation? I don't think it does either, no. Too much. It's too costly. It's 500 bucks, right?
1: Yeah, well, they've gone to that monthly billing, but
0: still. Or 700 for the uh, the lifetime. Yeah, but it's still, it's as much as Spotify is per month. Is it 10 bucks a month or whatever?
1: Yeah, and to my, again, yeah, to my mind, I mean, so uh, Rune has a lot of the features I don't think uh, are necessarily appeal to someone who is just let's say streaming from Spotify why would you bother mm. uh, you know well i, I
0: guess th- i mean this is where the kind of the file quality aspect comes in right because we're talking about streaming now mm. i've i've talked endlessly about streaming to a raspberry pi i'm really sorry i'm, sorry. Um, I'm not sorry um, but but once app sorry once spotify goes lossless mm-hmm. and in the next sometime in the next few months Don't email me. No, I do not know. If I did know, I would never, ever spill the beans because Spotify would kill me. (laughs) So either way, I can't tell you, right? So, but it's going to happen before the end of the year. So once that happens, I I really think the sweet spot is to get a Raspberry Pi, put Volumio on it. You don't need to, you just need to use Volumio once to set it up. It runs the Spotify Connect service in the background. Yeah. And then you've got CD quality streaming streaming, on your Spotify app on your phone on your couch, and you can just send it across to your Pi as and when you want to. And it also has great podcast integration and things like that. And mm-hmm. I think for mo- for most people, that is the sweetest spot for an entry level streaming based hi fi system. Would you agree with that or not? I would. Yeah, and I,
1: as far as I know, um, that uh, move to uh, CD quality is not going to cost anybody anything.
0: Well, that was a. Yeah, that was a prediction I, I made in my video, and I'm <laughs> at the time I was oh like, God, "Oh God, God. this on, on something Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I said, but I at the time I was like, "Oh shit, I'm really going out on a limb here." But then when Apple came out, we're like, "Well, we're not charging anything more for hours." Mm. I thought, "Well, then now Spotify pretty much forced not what well, it's not just a matter of being forced into it because I I was surprised that Apple did it not just because. They could, but because the labels would let them charge that amount of money, yeah. $9.99 a month for CD-quality streaming. Because a couple of years ago, the, the labels, I think, think said no to Tidal for that or no to other streaming services. I have to be very careful what I say because I don't want to, you know, specify too much. But there was there was some resistance from record labels with streaming services offering CD-quality or higher streaming at nine ninety nine, but Apple have made it a reality. Yes, I guess Spotify will, will follow suit. I'm assuming it'd be weird if they don't. But even if it's like ten ninety nine or eleven, I mean, streaming music is ridiculously cheap, ridiculous. But I guess speaking as a Gen Xer, I would say that if I was a, I don't know, a Gen Z, I'd probably be like, no, it's like twelve bucks a month. It's better if it's ten. I don't know. I, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah, but I let's just say for the sake of discussion right now that they're going to leave the the price where it is. Mm. So, I'm t- you know, I'm just trying to think for those. So what that means like for the friend I was talking about earlier who uses Spotify, one day the quality of his stream is is going to move to to CD quality and, it, and he may not notice because it's bills not going to go up and he just may not notice. It depends. I think it's I would love it if Spotify
0: made it the default was opt out, but I don't think they will because of mobile phone data plans and build shock.
1: Mm, 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 mm. So
0: I think it will be an opt in situation. Oh, like if you want to, know. yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love it if it was. I mean, because the I think the only the only way you're going to get mm. the world, as in like mum and dads, to stream the best source quality available, which includes high res, is to make it the default. You don't even tell them you've done it. You make opt out the, the yes, default option yes, right so right. but i think it's just it just eats too much data which is fine in the home generally speaking and it's fine for people with unlimited data mobile plans but or cell phone plans but i i don't think not everybody has that and certainly not in europe we don't right but just maybe to, in the uk yeah you
1: know, to clarify so when you're at home and you're connected to your wi-fi yeah um you don't have to worry i mean i know it's yes. obvious but yes but just to say it <laughs> just yeah. to say it. No, yes. I
0: think no, that's, that, you're right. That's an important point. Most people have what minimum 100 gigs of data allowance, I think, on their home internet connection, if there's a limit at all.
1: Yeah, um, see, I'm not. Yeah, we, we certainly don't have any limit.
0: Right. I don't even know what mine is because I'm pretty sure I never hit it. And
1: yeah. I do loads of Netflix streaming. So, yeah, so we, but like, mm. yeah. Oh, so I was just getting to this point, right? So this, let's just, again, for the sake of conversation. Uh, so my friends at home, one day Spotify turns on CD quality. He just, mm. let's just say he, it just automatically gets it. Or maybe his mm. daughter comes over and f- sets it up for him because she knows. Yeah. I'm <laughs> yeah. oh, that's so sure he'll notice.
0: What you, As in, he'll notice the difference in sound quality? Yeah,
1: that's where I'm going.
0: So as in, okay, so he's got like an inch. Entr- he's like got Sonos
1: spread around the house. Oh, he's
0: got Sonos. Okay, yeah, right. he's got yeah. Sonos.
1: Uh, yeah, that he uses both for music and uh, you know for like when we go for Super Bowl. Yeah, and um, and then he's got this other. So Sonos is he's got a basement system. He's got in the uh, in the upstairs living area, you know, that they can hear in the kitchen, and mm. so there's a few speakers spread all over the place. And then he's got an outside system that he also uses. Spot and he's using Spotify to feed to feed all of these systems that's his Mm. that's his source Mm -hmm. yeah what i'm suggesting is that he's not going to notice a difference in sound quality
2: uh so
1: if nobody tells him (laughs) right from 320 Og vorbis to cd loss
0: yeah it's a loss of cd quality you're right i think if he's got sonos i think everything apart from a pair of sonos 5 will pretty much obscure any any difference in file bit rate yeah we say and as for high res, on even on Apple Music, forget it or title it. No way.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, a-
0: I know some people are going, "Oh, I've got Sonos fives and I can hear it." Yeah, maybe you can, but you, even people like that would have to admit that the difference is at the very thin end of this wedge, right? Because we're really now at the thin end of the wedge when we're talking about file quality.
1: Yeah, I just want to. I just do want to say, <clears throat> let's so if someone's I've been using uh, Apple Music. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. their service flips over, does not cost them a penny more. And they go, oh, you know what? Mm. This, oh, you know what? I listened to uh, <clears throat> Live at the Fillmore East, you know, Allman Brothers. And I think, you know what? I think it sounds a little bit better. That's great. I mean, like, that's just great. Who cares? Didn't cost anybody anything more. Sounds a little bit mm. better. That's fine. And that's, to my mind, that's like what we should be talking about. Nobody's going out of their way to do anything special. Paying more, buying different stuff, Ooh. right? Because well, you know the Sonos ecosystem better than I do these days. Um, so what is there? what is, if you're streaming, Pap, well, <laughs> Well, if
0: you're, hang on, but if, it doesn't matter what high res, in inverted commas, high res streaming service you're using. It doesn't matter because Sonos is capped at right. 2448, so the most you're going to get is an extra eight bits, and then
2: <laughs>
0: I, you're not going to hear it on a on a Sonos system, even in the long haul. Right, I don't think. I mean, oh, you. This this well, is the thing, right? Well,
1: yeah, I, yeah but I'm going to I'm going to try and put the brakes on, a, a little into getting into those weeds, because mm. I'm not so sure we have. To it for this conversation, with except to say that there are hardware limitations um, for playing back high res music. Yes, so many, yeah. So and and each Apple's ecosystem has theirs. Sonos has theirs, and plenty of hardware out there still to this day can impose uh, hardware-based restrictions on. Playing back high res music,
0: which I must add are invisible to many users. Yeah. Yes. Right. So yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it, but again, even at this sort of the very, the thin end of this wedge, it gets really complicated very quickly. It's very hard to know what's going on. Say with AirPlay, for example. Right. With Spotify, we don't need to worry because they're not doing high res. We're just they're just right. setting us up to CD quality, right. which is why I call it the sweet spot. Title Connect, yes, it does high res as wrapped by MQA. But as we know, if you go and mention that anywhere on the internet, you'll get an army of people come and mothball you and tell you you're wrong and you're the devil. and How dare you promote this? Yes. This, this thing that they don't like because they are operating under the misapprehension that what other people spend their money on or the choices they make are their business (laughs) when they're not. I just, I find it unbelievable that A group of people would try and police other people's behavior when they have no business doing so. I mean, by all means, uh, campaign—you know, with hardware manufacturers or with MQA or with title. By all means, hit them. But just smashing a keyboard because somebody happens to mention that they've streamed a file in uh, MQA—it's fundamentalism. Anyway, this is. But I mention this because newcomers need to be aware that if you go out onto the internet and start talking about hi-fi and asking questions, it won't be long before you meet a hi-fi fundamentalist Mm. in some way. Somebody will say, well, the only way to go is tubes, or the only way to go is vinyl, or the only way to go is Cobas because it doesn't do MQA, right? And when somebody starts saying the only way, run a mile, run a mile as fast as you can, because they're not pragmatists, they're fundamentalists, they're Mm. idealists. And you can't talk to an idealist because it's their way or no way or the highway, right? So you want to be able to talk to somebody who's more pragmatic about these kinds of things, or talk about the advantages and disadvantages of different technologies, and let you decide for yourself rather than them imposing, you know, their opinion upon you, and you will behave this way. <laughs> I
1: just right because oh. yeah, I mean. But I'm going to take a few steps back and suggest that, with the kind of system certainly w- that we've been discussing, mm-hmm. and it, with the, even when we've gotten very specific about um, yeah things to buy, um, the difference between uh, CD quality and 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 a 24 48. Or twenty four ninety six are meaningless i am sorry it's like wh- there's no need to be concerned about that. I mean sure, if you are interested in the, in title you know as your streaming service because where it's available where you live and you're interested mm. in in um, exploring this, just go for it mm. um, but title is I think still holding on to ninety nine a month cobut mm-hmm. is down to I think fourteen and change a month. Hmm. Um, you know, I mean, sure. You could try it for a couple of months and, and see if it works for you. Uh, and, and see if it's worth the extra, you know, mm. uh, money from soon enough. It's Spotify will be CD quality. Apple music's already doing CD quality and higher again. This is like after everything is said and done because everything we've met, all the Dax we've mentioned. Hmm. Can will will handle anything you want to throw at it, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. So it, you know, it's almost a uh, nearly. It's not an afterthought, but it, it almost is these days because all of these dongle acts, all of them support one form or another high res. Some yes. do MQA, some don't. Um. So it's again, it's like to my mind, like my friend sitting in his living room listening to music, and, and really without him knowing it. He's now getting a better quality stream that's the way it should be mm. you know and it's like oh well oh you know maybe he'll say wow you know what I think this sounds a little bit better that's great you know but this whole thing back from Neil Young's pono that you know oh anybody who hears this is gonna be blown away <laughs> it's going be-
0: yeah that was that was really quite egregious those you know those do well his friends singing in his car yeah f- you know fawning over. Something which I can't—I I don't know—I just have a hard time imagining that uh, that what they heard in that car was any really any different to say CD quality version of the source material that he was
1: playing. Right, but plus, who knows what these people are accustomed to listening to, and what the sound quality of the system in that car. Was really capable. Did they have the windows open? I don't know. (laughs) You know, yeah. But yeah, um, there was there was a ludicrous. You know, but yeah. You know, if you and I've seen, we've done it at home. You know, somebody's like, oh wait, here, listen to this, and it's literally the speakers on your on our iPhones, and we're you know we're sharing that. So yeah, if you if you listen to the speakers, the music coming out of your iPhone, and then sit down in front of a hi fi, yeah, you're going to hear a difference. Everybody's going to hear a difference the laptop speakers uh, and then stick a, you know, a dongle deck and a good pair of headphones, you're going to, everybody's going to hear that difference, you know, because you're talking about in, a, in in terms of a phone, I don't even know the size of that speaker. So yeah, mm. you know, these are going to be obvious improvements. You'll hear more. And that's really what you want when you build a, a, your you know, a hi-fi. It's, mm. Right, you're going to want better than what you're, what you get out of these devices. And any thing we've talked about certainly will blow them out of the water. <laughs> <laughs> well, stereo separation is a fun thing. It's nice to have two speakers that can. You know, I think for me that's the number one ingredient of
0: having a hi-fi is having the, st- the stereophony, as it used to be called. Right. Yeah. So the 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 illusion of sounds coming from between the speakers you know so if you had a kid and you said like point to where the sound's coming from you would hope that they would point between the speakers not at the speakers right yeah because that's that's the stereo illusion which i think is for me that's the first step into the world of high fidelity playback i know that some people who have very luxurious systems would be like well no you need this you know this kind of standard of system but I don't know, people like that I just find very tedious to deal with because they're playing gatekeeper. And I guess I am saying there is a certain base level, you know, Of and but what I'm saying is, is the base level is two speakers separated, preferably on stands or the floor standards themselves, and then, you know, connected to amplifiers or they have amplifiers built in mm. or DACs built in or you have an external DAC and a streamer that kind of basic level. So you can do it for about a grand, I think. I think a thousand dollars is really really what you need to be spending. You could probably do it for five hundred. Yeah. If you've got I... the vanity loudspeakers or something like that. Yeah. But it is possible. But yeah, so let's say between five hundred and a thousand is where you kinda wanna be thinking when you're putting together a first hi fi system. It can do it cheaper, but I think the sweet spot is between five hundred and maybe twelve hundred. But because you've got to factor in the stands. And one thing we haven't spoken mm. about is cables. Yeah. Right. Cause they are important because without them, nothing works. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Do you know when I, when I first started out, I bought from Richard sounds, a cable, I think it was called the cable talk 3.1 and it was blue. Hmm. And I think it was copper because I remember the copper strands on the end and both the left and Sorry, not the left and right, that's a stupid thing to say. The plus yeah, the positive and the minus part of the signal were separated in the middle of a cable. It had like a, a solid plastic middle. Oh, I see. Yeah. Right. And then here's the thing is I moved to just cause I wanted to, and because I had a bit of money and I fancied something new. And this is before I even I don't know why I did this, but it was super cheap. It was like five pounds a meter, and I only wanted six meters. Um, I think it was a cord company cable. Mm. And looking back, I think it was silver, because I definitely noticed more detail, but it was a bit more exhausting. It wasn't as nice to listen to, you know, <laughs> in hindsight. And that was my first experience of loudspeaker cables. You know, we're talking three, uh, we're back then, at three pounds, three British pounds a meter versus five pounds a meter. I mean, that was my first experience in hearing a difference. I was like, whoa, that's that's surprising, but okay. But I didn't really think much about it at the time. I didn't think, oh my God. I didn't think, oh, that's nothing. I was just like, yeah, you know, that's interesting. Just get on with playing, you know, at the time it was CDs. I think I was playing granddaddy's software slump at the time. I was really into that. 99 (laughs) that was. So because there are people out there who will tell you, having never heard them, that, you know, all cables sound the same, Hmm. which is, i got to say, it's bullshit. Because experience tells me, tells you, I'm guessing, that they don't sound the same. But that doesn't mean you have to spend a shit ton of money to get something price appropriate for your system. Right. Because the the rough guide is 10% on cables, right? And I actually think that's about Hmm. right. You know, maybe even less, maybe 5%. I mean, you can get very good branded i'm not going to mention any brand names here, yeah, yeah yeah yeah, but like you can go to your hi-fi store and they'll have i remember tara labs was oh, i'm not going to mention any brand names oh. here, and here i am right <laughs> but tara labs was a big thing in australia I, I don't know why but it was always in hi-fi stores it wasn't expensive you know five australian dollars a meter maybe 10 australian dollars a meter it was and it was fine and there will always be people out there on the internet who will tell you that anything from the hardware store that does this isn't it will be fine. Yeah, sure, go and yeah, go and buy that. And if you're happy with lamp cord, you're happy with LampCord, Like whatever you want to do, but you obviously, you do need to think about
1: cables. Yeah, you're going to have to buy some kind of cable. But I think I think the five uh, to ten percent uh, rule is a good one.
0: I think so. Yeah, and, and,
1: and, because and it, yeah. also because it suggests that you should know what you've you're going to, or have spent on the rest first, because you don't want to go into mm. this, to, into into this putting any other hi-fi thinking about cables. <laughs> right. right. So yeah, you start, you get your speakers, um, and ampl speakers and amplification and source sussed out. And then it, if that costs X, then yeah, absolutely. I would use the percentage as a guide mm. and, and, by, yeah, some name brand speakers. And I say name brand because, you know, you want cables that are, are built well that are going to last. Mm-hmm. Um, so, right.
0: and... Uh, yeah, one thing I found alpha what discovered recently was that banana plugs, if you're going to use those, can actually cost even more than the speaker cable that you're using huh. um, Using them with. yeah, So, I mean, bare wire is fine. You just have to twist it and... Make sure you screw it down properly, and then hmm. probably redo that every six months or so. Um, but yeah, that's also fine. But I guess my number one message would: yeah, you know, don't get too angst-ridden about cables. Yeah, and I, and I would just just go and buy something you feel comfortable spending, and you know, don't. I would never let a salesman talk you up. Don't let them talk you up to like you know $300 on cables don't no, do that no, that's right, no, right. excessive right yeah. but you know just something price appropriate that looks yeah you know, looks pretty decent you've no need to worry about power cables or usb cables anything like that just an interconnect and speaker cables and that's fine um as a newcomer in this newcomer context that we're talking about today
1: hmm. yeah but that's I one think, you know uh, it is another aspect of the uh, powered speakers i keep going back to but I guess I'm stuck on it in my head, but power, You know, you're eliminating some cabling.
2: <laughs> yeah, sure. because
0: it, I mean everything's short signal paths inside the speaker, presumably. So, yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's another. I guess active speakers or powered speakers are good if you don't want to necessarily fuss over every point in the chain, and you want something nice and simple. Which is why Sonos is so yeah. popular. Yeah, right, because it's super easy.
1: Well, they did a brilliant job of, of, yeah, of making it super easy to connect, to set up, Mm. you know, Um, and that's not clearly based on looking at the way other hi-fi manufacturers have tried to launch similar products. It's not easy. It's not easy to make it, Mm. you know, so seamless. Um,
0: Well, I think mm -hmm. probably the only manufacturer that I know of who've made streaming hardware that's as simple or as seamless a setup as Sonos is probably Blue Sound. Yeah, I was.
1: Uh, yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah,
0: I, I can't. You know, I can't think. I think Auralic is a little bit fiddlier, mm. more fiddly, fiddly. I don't know whether that's a word. It's a little bit more involved. There's a. You, know, you need to kind of keep your wits about you.
1: It's been a while um, since I've used. Uh, I don't have experience with the newer Auralic stuff, so I can't speak mm. to that. But yeah. Oh, it's got better, but like yeah. it's still not as as silky
0: smooth as blue sound anything with chromecast built in is a super easy setup but you obviously have to have the google home app to do that mm-hmm. some people don't like being part of the google universe i i understand that i respect that mm. so that's a consideration i guess one thing we have also haven't talked about is bluetooth and people mm. might ask well can't i just bluetooth to my amplifier or my dac and some DACs, as we know, do have Bluetooth built in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I, think, well, basically Bluetooth runs at roughly the same quality most of the time as Spotify 320 kilobits per second. So AppTex is maybe 100 kilobits more. AppTex is a, is a codec that carries the signal from your phone to whatever your streamer is in, on your commode or your sideboard or whatever. Mm. Um, but... It won't do CD quality. (laughs) I keep saying this. I keep laughing every time I say it because I say it so much. And then people email me going, why does it do CD quality? Can you tell me why? And I've written articles about it, and I put it in the description box under the videos. And I I don't know how people just don't read those things, so I have to just give up and go, well, you're not going to read that. I don't know what else to say. But I, I don't think that Bluetooth is something you should really embrace if you're spending money on a hi-fi system. Yes, it's super convenient, but it's no it's no more convenient than Spotify Connect. Yeah, it's true. In fact, yeah. I would say it's less so because when you come home from work, you have to pair your phone with your Bluetooth streamer. Whereas with Spotify Connect, your phone automatically presumably connects to your Wi-Fi network. And then you're just away. You just kind of send the stream to your hi-fi system. Same with Tidal Connect. This is why I love these connect services. Mm-hmm because they maintain the quality without any sacrifice to Bluetooth type convenience.
1: Yeah. And plus, yeah, I, I agree completely. Yeah. The connect uh, it's really, it's, um it's like a dream come true. It is. It's, it's wonderful.
0: Yeah. 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 This is why I, I think that Spotify with connect with a Pi with a dongle DAC is the sweet spot for whatever you put in front of your amplifier and speakers or powered slash active loudspeakers yeah i think that's probably all i have to say about all of that that's quite a lot i know it is a lot we've we've covered a lot of ground and we've spoken for a good couple of hours
1: but gosh i wasn't keeping track yeah
0: yeah but i think it's you know this is i assume stuff that people want to hear like a sort of an overview Mm. of what you would do if you're coming at this anew and you're not quite sure of you know what to do i will add that i'm not able to give recommendations to people who email me hmm. because i don't know who they are their taste their budget or anything about them people do still keep emailing me asking me what should i buy i'm like i'm sorry i can't help you and really like you i'm a publisher yeah i'm not i'm not a sort of part-time consultant it's just that doesn't really interest me i just want to make podcasts and videos and write things about hi-fi and you take what you want from them but
1: if you want a consultant it needs somebody else to do that you want it's a very to do to do it just to do it justice to give someone Mm. um useful advice is a time-consuming process
0: very time-consuming especially via email yes
1: because
0: i've tried it and i've failed miserably many times
1: yeah, I mean, of course. Yeah, yeah I mean, I do ask. I, I, I have, you know, people email me with questions about buying advice. Um, mm. and, uh, yeah, gosh. It, it just, it's not, um, feasible really unless, unless we're, you know, we're both going to invest time and, and email wise, that's probably, Depending on the question, but if it's a whole system, you're talking 20, 30 emails minimum to just get to some place that you know can
2: begin yeah, get to, to a make starting sense. Point. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: So and it's t- it's real time
0: that I you know I, I I don't have. I don't have it either. But people say to me, "But John, I don't trust my dealer, or I don't have a dealer in my area. Mm. That's why I'm coming to you." And I'd say, like, I'm, I'm really sorry, but that doesn't change my ability." to be able to help you or to have the time to help you yeah. and then they'll say well what do i do i you know i'm, I'm terrified of spending all this money on a hi-fi system and many of many people out there in fact the, the number one thing i see is fear people are terrified yes. of, of making a mistake and buying the wrong thing yeah that might not be the wrong thing in their eyes but then they go into a forum and go i bought this and then some blowhard comes in and pisses all over that their purchase going oh you shouldn't have bought that you should have bought what i bought because it's all about their ego right so it's it, it, and that crushes them and they don't want that experience so they live in fear of that as much as they do of you know just buying the wrong thing that won't do what they want either streaming wise or amplifier wise or anything you know
1: i know i'm gonna be cor- I know, i'll be corny and <laughs> and uh I'll say something I've said probably too many times before, but mm. the best hi-fi is the one that's used most often, right? And well, it's like the camera thing, yeah, yeah. So uh, you know this idea that, um, this idea that someone could buy some piece of hi-fi gear, listen to it for years and enjoy it, um, and. St- after that time, someone, you know, does measurements on on the DAC they own and they come to find that it doesn't measure as well as something that costs less money. And mm. yeah, these there are people out there that will then jump on that and say, ha, 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 look, you wasted your money. You know, you've been listening to this shitty thing for all these years. The mistake that those people make is no matter what they discover in terms of measurements or whatever you want to say, that mm. doesn't erase all the years of enjoyment and experience. I'm sorry, it doesn't magically go back and that person who's had those years of experience and enjoyed listening to music through the system, you know, some, uh, you know, even, and it really gets as ridiculous as, you know, two... Measurements done by some person, uh, whatever, who may mm. not even know what the hell they're doing, doesn't have the ability to erase memories and experience. I'm sorry, it just doesn't. In other words, enjoyment, you know, all that enjoyment is still enjoyment. They still mm. listen to music and it doesn't negate that experience. It doesn't even diminish it in any way, shape, or form. And the thing of it is, uh, let's just you know go. Oh well, why are we listening to music? You know what's the what's the end goal? Is it to have mm. the best measuring gear? Is that the end goal of owning a hi-fi? No, it's not. Is it to listen to high-res music? No, it's not. It's to listen to music, and music, as we all know, you know, has been part of every civilization from the beginning of history. You know, some of the oldest artifacts found are bone flutes and blah blah blah. Mm. So we know music is an essential part. So all this focus on on high res measurements, and you know what's better, and this and that. That those are games boys play, and I mean yes, specifically and literally
0: yes. The thing is, is what you're talking about here is insecurity, because if I if I, if like your friend goes and buys a hundred dollar DAC and used it for four years and loves it, and then Google's it and then reads that it doesn't measure very well, and then suddenly feels crushed by the fact it doesn't compete with, you know, other whatever like. He's got a security a, yes. a, a confidence, problem, right? He's insecure. He needs a shrink more than <laughs> he needs a high five. I'm serious, right? Yeah. It's, it's, I think a lot of this, the, the insect conversation exposes people's insecurities and their fear, mm-hmm. right? So you get the two together, it's a deadly mix. So what I say to people is that if you're really that afraid, or you're really that insecure in your choices, mm. is don't spend any more money than you can walk away from.
1: Yes. Well, I think that's good advice in general for buying a hi-fi. I mean, I, yeah. I, sorry, we should. You know what? That's a very. It's a budget is a great point. Mm. Uh, yeah. And I, uh, you know, to to my mind, I would not stretch to own hi-fi. I would. I my budget would be what's comfortable for me to spend.
0: Definitely. Yes. Yeah. Like if you've got five grand to spend, I would recommend spending two and a half because you need to, you need to build into that budget, the probability, and it's quite likely that you, you will make a mistake. Mm. You'll buy the wrong thing. So you need to, you know, you need to have some- Wrong in that you
1: won't enjoy it or something or won't do what you want it to do or-
0: Yeah. And that, that will be an expensive lesson, but you won't have tanked your entire budget. Mm. You'll still have two and a half grand left- to go and make good that mistake. Now, yeah, it's likely that what you end up with won't be quite as good as what you would have if you spent five grand from the outset on the exact right things. When you're a newcomer, Uh. you're almost never going to buy the exact right things unless you have somebody to guide you who's very good. And again, this comes back to the consultancy thing, or you've got a very trustworthy dealer who's not going to steer you towards products that have, higher margins or things that he wants to clear out because all of these things, they, they do happen. Um, mm. But the other, th- the other thing to think about here as well is if you're really insecure or you're living in fear of buying the wrong thing, buy stuff online that you can return. Yeah. Right. Well, Cause there's a lot of companies doing this now.
1: Yeah. Especially right. Well, with with COVID and everything. Yeah. There's a lot of mm. sales have moved online. Yeah. No, yeah. I absolutely. I've said this for years about cables, you know, especially in whatever. yeah, you can certainly buy things like cables online, even from Amazon from still from reputable brands um, and you have that that the luxury of Amazon's return policy. Yes, you do, yeah. yeah, so there's you know that you can absolutely uh, minimize risk. Again, you know, this is the thing. See, I think this is, a, I'm, sorry, I'm like going off the rails a little bit. However, <laughs> you know, this, the, there's a certain type of, of uh, audiophile, not mm. the new audiophile, but the type of audiophile that buys secondhand and spends for their income level and whatever, a lot of money on hi fi mm. gear. So there's a ton of risk involved. You know, I mean, you buy something, um, secondhand and if it sucks and you don't like it, I mean, maybe you'll sell it for what you bought it for, Mm. but you know, there are a lot, too many, too many factors at play. And that's, you're, you're taking on, to my mind, unnecessary risk, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's what, to your point, you know, spending below your means certainly minimizes that that anxiety that could potentially go along with, with the purchase. And really, the last thing anybody needs in their life is anxiety over fucking, sorry, over hi-fi. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I mean, in this, I you mean, know, with all things considered, you know, that everyone's dealing with, uh, why introduce anxiety into hi-fi? Right.
0: Yeah. But the, I- also, the more you do it, the more more gear that you experience, whether it's at dealers or friends' houses mm. or in a much more limited way at hi-fi shows. and I must stress stress the much more limited way, um, because we're listening to fixed hi-fi systems. So we can't possibly know how good a DAC or a streamer is or mm. a turntable or whatever, but you know, like the more experience you have, the, the less anxiety you feel, the more confidence you, you obviously feel because you're more experienced, you have, you have more skin in the game. You understand things better, you know, you get, the more you do, the better you get. It's like anything, the the more you practice, I don't know, like putting hi-fi systems together, the better you get at it. Mm. So when you're starting out, you're going to have no clue and you're going to feel completely at sea. But it won't always be like that unless you just buy something once and you live with it for 10 years, which is also totally fine. I mean, maybe you don't want to go on like the journey that many audiophiles like to go on. I mean, sure.
1: Right, you know, but that is, uh, so I guess it's worth pointing out that for some people, that is part of their enjoyment, right? Yes, yes. Flipping things, getting new things in, hearing differences between what they used to have and now have. Mm. Um, that is, for some people, enjoyable. Um, and it's part of the hobby. But I don't think that's who we were speaking to this entire time.
0: No, not at all. No, I, I'm not. I don't. I'm talking to somebody who's, I don't know, like, like your friend or like some of my friends mm. you know, that have no clue and they they're just at a, at a loss as to what to what to buy so okay well you start simple with bookshelves and yeah they might be active they might be passive and you know outboard amplifier if you need one dac streamer you know whether it's your laptop or a pi or something else hmm. i mean that's really my overall message today but not you know i guess absent from that message is high-res audio. It's not there. It's never going to be there when I'm talking to newcomers, right? You can go and, you know, that's I think high-res is more sort of a journeyman thing, you know, somebody who sort of wants to go on that journey and go further. Yeah. But but they will realize <laughs> that you know less than 10% of their, you know, Apple Music or Kobo's or title library is high-res. That's I think that's quite a rude awakening when you're like, I'm gonna get into high-res, and then you go, hang on a minute. <laughs> there isn't everything's not available in high-res.
1: Rainbow, so yeah, I mean, I've, yeah. um, in terms of um, talking to friends and people about high buying hi fi, high res has never come up. Right like for me in these, no one has ever said to me, "Hey, you know, I want to get into hi fi, and it's got to be able to do twenty four 192 It's never right. happens. Right, and I've never said to someone, you know, "Oh, what should I buy?" I'm not sure what you should buy, but make sure it does double DSD. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, it's <laughs> like, what is that? Uh, I don't, I'm like, I'd love to be able to whip out an analogy for that one. You know, it's like, oh, I'm, you know, I want to buy a motorcycle. I don't know. I can't think, right? I can't think of it as silly as an analogy. Well, I'll, I'll give you another analogy. Yeah. So,
0: like, you want to buy a TV. Most people would say, well, like, I want to buy a new TV and I want it to be 4K because they know what 4K is mm. because the TV world or the broadcast world or whoever's in charge of kind of communicating this information have done a brilliant job in letting people know the 4K is basically four 1080p pictures or panels put together. So people know that and they know broadcasts come in 4k. So the messaging has been excellent mm. and they've upgraded their TVs along the way as these resolutions have increased. And now we live in a world where there was probably more abundant 4k hardware than there is content. But even so mm. people are generally very much across what's going on in this sort of TV movie distribution streaming world, right mm. there. They know it, but you know when it comes to audio if you ask them okay what does 24192 actually mean They'll be like, oh, i've got no idea and fair enough because the hi-fi world has done a terrible job in explaining this to the man in the street in fa- and the reason is because is it's a really it's irrelevant to them because it's not as like if you go from a 10aep picture to a 4k picture yeah it's it's it can be quite dramatic mm. But the same can't be said for going from CD quality right, right. to even twenty four ninety six. It's like, I think I hear it, maybe. And you you do. I I have to say this in the long term, over time, as you you listen more, you do notice things, and it does feel better. And I don't mean that in the sense of the the woolly sense of the word. Mm. It's a bit like going. It's like a bit like improving your diet. Mm. Like you don't. Eat a plate of Brussels sprouts and then suddenly feel like you want to go for a run. (laughs) But (laughs) I hope you don't. But like if you eat much healthier food, more vegetables, more salads, over a period of time you will feel better. And Mm. I think CD quality is definitely like that. There's not enough high-res for me to really talk about it. I guess it's like the organic food of Uh. the audio world. You know, it's kind of it's peppered around and we can find it, but it's not in every supermarket, is it? Mm. And it's not every single Fruit or vegetable or whatever it, you know what you want to buy. Mm. So maybe that's a good analogy. I don't know. I'm Absolutely, it,
1: it is. Yeah, the free tier Spotify's free tiers like uh, McDonald's. Yeah, it's yeah, fast food. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah but if you got to see the quality, so what I said, I said weirdly, if you got to see the quality, that's no longer McDonald's. That's maybe moving up to I don't know, um, Denny's. <laughs> <laughs> no, God, not Denny's. <laughs> I was just trying to pick something I know in America, but I could... <laughs> better than Denny's. Then okay, I quite, I quite like Denny's. I'm really sorry.
1: Oh man, why <laughs> are we? Um, so I haven't been to Denny since CES days, and there was a Denny's in between the hotel I was staying and the venue, and we oh. would stop. A bunch of us would stop there. And the first morning I went, I forget what I ordered, but I was like, "Can I get some butter?" And they were like, "We don't have butter." I'm like, "How could you not have butter?" <laughs> in in a breakfast restaurant
0: so yeah i don't know i I can't speak to that i've just had so many delicious meals (laughs) on the on the road in the usa eating denny's it's just so good (laughs) but that's me coming as a tourist right if i lived there i'd probably go oh god not that place yeah but it's it's a novelty isn't it anyway sorry i've completely derailed what is (laughs) what is the restaurant equivalent of cd quality no it's
1: i mean it's i don't i think it's kind of like it's your local joint, you know, your local... Right. Your local joint that actually makes the food and... Okay. Yeah, they care a little bit more. Yeah, it's like... Right. Yeah, yeah that makes sense, yeah.
0: So your kind of local mom-and-pop restaurant that makes things from... with decent ingredients and things like that. Or it doesn't even have to be mom-and-pop, does it has to be like a... just a good restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Did we... D- did we finish? Have we... Have we run out of things to say, Michael? I think I have. I think I have.
1: I need to go get some McDonald's. (laughs) If there were Denny's here right now, I I would be
0: going. (laughs) But there's no such thing in Germany. Ah, well. But there is a place called um, Wienerwald, which Mm. I'm told is the kind of the German equivalent of, well, what, what kind of like the German equivalent of McDonald's, or you used to be. Mm. But it's like this chicken shop that sells like roast chickens and sides. And it's delicious. It's extremely salty. And it's, oh, there you go. Yeah, you know it's kind of it's, it's fast food. But apparently, there's only a couple of them left, and one of them's on the other side of town. And I went for the first time ever uh, during the uh, European Championship football. It was great. I loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess you know, like I'm 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 a sucker for kind of not always, but like sometimes it's just a dirty meal. Is just just
1: fantastic. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. But as um. As I get older, those have to be few and far between. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah.
0: Okay. Michael Lavonia, thank you so much for talking for like almost two and a half hours. My pleasure. You have been listening to me, John Darko, and Twittering Machines is Michael Lavonia. This episode was produced by Nick McCorriston and music came from Ben Pitt.